Everybody and welcome back. It is Monday, April 17th, 2023, and you're listening to episode 161 of the Can I Say Something podcast. I'm your host and a reckless with a juicy caboose, Damien. Joining me today is Derek McDuff. On today's show, the best show on television had its best episode ever this week. Succession. Wait a minute, wait a minute. They yes. re-aired the constant from <laughs> Lost? That's crazy. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. Oh, it was Succession, oh. season four, episode three, Connor's wedding, intrepid Hollywood reporter Dion and I will break it all down later. But before that, we will be discussing what we've been watching, reading, listening to, including the Dark Side of Magic trilogy, Yellow Jackets, the Super Mario Brothers movie, and much, much more. Right into the show can i say something podcast at gmail.com plus go on twitter subscribe on itunes stitcher google podcast spotify rate and review it on apple podcast tell a friend family member stranger what's up man how are we doing not not too bad doing doing pretty good nice i just turned off my ac i just told you before we started recording that it was <laughs> 75 80 degrees here which doesn't sound a lot but i'm, I'm in a studio apartment and it's on the second floor and i turned uh, off my ac that's just... literally a cold day for me what are you talking about well yes but here's the thing hear me out right second i just mentioned second floor right so i'm on the second floor <laughs> okay okay all right but you don't get you got to factor in the humidity you got to factor in the wind you got to okay. factor in the barometer Right, all of There's that no stuff. wind in your apartment. What are you talking about? <laughs> Lack of wind, my friend. Lack of wind. And no movement. <laughs> oh no air movement God. means the air is stale. And in about forty-five minutes, my my. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. I've got my windy ass apartment over here. What are you talking about? <laughs> the wind, man. The wind. It makes it stagnate. You can feel the stagnant oh air from outside. God. It comes in. Anyway, so yeah, it's very very warm here. So how about we get going before I'm just a puddle of sweat over here? Okay. All yes. right. Yeah. Would would be a tragedy if if it went into. <laughs> Uh, yes. You know, a a, a temperate climate for a you. Temperate there. climate, exactly. <laughs> uh, we were talking last time about like you know antagonistic, um, inflammatory articles. I think the last time we came here, we talked about it was the top seventy best uh, animated shows of all time. I think there were some in there that were like, yeah, that's fine. But most of them were, you know, way too low. I think Airbender was way too low. Legend of Korra was way too mm-hmm. low. A bunch of shows were way too low. We had this week, The Hollywood Reporter. Let me scroll up and see the bylines. You've got the bylines on this article here. We've got a bunch of them. John Frosch, David Rooney, uh, Sherry Linden, a bunch of people I've never heard of, Jordan Minster. Did an article entitled, Hollywood Reporter Critics Picked the 50 Best Films of the 21st Century So Far. We've had a couple of these already, right? We're, we're 23 years into the century so far. So they've done, I think they've done one like, you know, around the 2020, 2021, they did one. But it's another one just because they have to to fill the dead the dead airwaves. Have to have news, have to have something to talk about, right, all the time. So they did a top fifty so far uh, movies so far this year. Did you have a chance to look this over, and what was your opinion of it? Uh, I didn't look at this. I I don't care. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I'll, the only thing I've seen is just like people being really mad that 
Black Panther was on the list. People were like, how dare they? Yeah. Really, they put Black Panther at 49 out of 50? That is yeah, well, insane. How it, dare they include an MCU property? I'm like, it's a fucking good movie. Shut the a, hell up. It's a very good movie. It's one of the few blockbusters, one of the few, let's just say, MCU films to be nominated for Best Picture. I believe is the only one, right? They, did, they didn't. It is, yeah. They didn't. The uh, Academy hates the Oscar, or the Academy hates Marvel. The so. year of Endgame, I think it was only nominated. I think Endgame got like you know sound editing. It got um, some technical Oscars, but didn't get into yeah. the best of the They're year. Never, they've never won an above the line Oscar. Right. Uh, uh, that's why Angela Bassett lost this year. Right. True. 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 I'm um, just scrolling through here real quick. Uh, never, rarely, sometimes, always. It was number forty-two. That was that was my favorite movie of that year. I don't believe we've ever talked about that movie. Have you seen Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always? You talked to me about it. I haven't seen yeah. it, but you, yeah. you mentioned it many a time on this show. Very, very good. I movie. need to watch it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Pan's Labyrinth came in at number forty-one. Um, let's see. Bunch of social. I haven't heard of some of these movies. Bunch of social um, social issue movies. Summer of Soul and I Am Not Your Negro was thirty eight. Sorry, forty and thirty nine. Uh, seen both of those. Those are very good. Children of Men sitting at thirty eight. That's too low. I mean, just yeah. Just get. Let's get. Let's get into it. Let's talk about this. Uh, a lot of pretentious stuff again on the list. Uh, thirty eight is probably or Children of Men is probably the one of the least pretentious movies on here. I've seen that movie multiple times. That is a very pretentious movie. What is everything Alfonso? Cor- Children of Men? No. Are you kidding me? Everything Alfonso oh, Cuarón makes is fucking. Friend. That is one of the most rewatchable movies of the 2000s. What are you What are you talking about right now? You just think that because you're pretentious, Damien. <laughs> you are pretentious. Listen, so I want to talk about this. This the movie, this this phrase, pretentious, right? So on our um, letterbox, you and you were the one who said it. I on, didn't say it. I say what? You said pretentious. You were the one who said the word first. Okay, I said the word first, but you you claimed I am the most pretentious. But we have an equal number of pretentious movies in our top four on Letterboxd. You and I both have a movie called um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and I would I would argue right that ninety nine percent of people in this country and probably the rest of the world that's not in called, my top four. Is it not? You that's took it not off in my top four. My, you took no, it off. It's never been in my top. It Bullshit. might have been for like a second. Does no, it's you want to know my top four? I can yes. fucking tell you okay, right now. Ahead. It's yes. Lord of the Rings. Okay, Jurassic Park. Princess Mononoke, which, okay, it's foreign, but whatever. Uh, And then Amadeus, which is, like, super fucking mainstream. It won, like, a thousand Oscars. Well, yeah. That's the most pretentious one I've got on my list is fucking Amadeus, which is a movie based on a play that's fucking great that everyone loves. I could have sworn I was looking at your thing the other day, and it was on there. Uh, It's been that for, it's been that for, like, six months, that exact top four. Sometimes I'll switch around the number four spot, but three never switch. Okay. All right, yeah. I thought that was on there, but yeah, but you, but I you enjoy. That. I do love that movie. You it's do. a great so fucking movie. You love that movie, and I would, I would say, you know, I think you would yeah, agree with this. That I'll, it is I'll, very... I'll, I'll own that. It's pretentious, but yes. so is Children of Men. I'm, I, all right, Children of Men, dude. Th- th- what Children of Men has so much more action. It moves. There's violence. There's there's one shots of of. I mean, it literally moves. The camera literally moves everywhere. That uh, uh, the camera moves. That means it's not pretentious. It's rotating. Oh yeah, cameras can't cameras can't rotate in pretentious movies. One shots don't exist in pretentious movies. I've never seen a pretentious movie in one shot. Would That's you not say like if this movie came out, if Children of Men came out, you wouldn't watch this halfway through? Like, oh my god, this is that moment when they're getting shot at and they have to leave that compound, or it's the beginning of the movie where he's just walking through the city and there's bombs going off and he's you can clearly tell they can they're doing that showing not telling thing of Clive Owen just like not reacting to it. Like there's so much there's so many scenes in this movie where it's just like holy shit. There's just so much going on in the back in the background scene and the mid scene and the front of it. 
no none, none of that argument is dissuading me from thinking it's it's pretentious okay, yeah. like like that's that doesn't those things are all sound like pretentious film bro stuff to me you know okay. that doesn't you know it's it's i'm not saying anything about the quality of the movie right i'm saying it's it's a very pretentious movie all alfonso oh, Cuarón's movies sure, are but fucking you, pretentious but what we have to do is say there's there's variations there's degrees and there's shades of pretentiousness right it's not uh okay i'll agree with you that it's maybe one of uh, it has pretentiousness in it but not nearly as much as something like Portrait sure of it's, it's less pretentious than okay, probably yes. any of his movies except for harry potter i would say yeah which is you know a studio franchise movie uh, thing. Okay. Um, but I'd say, yeah, all of his other movies are probably yeah. more pretentious than Children of Men, which I do think is pretty overrated. If I'm being honest, it's fine. But okay. people fucking love that movie. Like, yes. film bros love that movie. Yeah, they do. They very much do love that movie. Uh, 37, Wendy and Lucy talking about um, Kelly Record has a new movie out um, now called Showing Up with her muse, um, Michelle Williams. Uh, I went through all of her back catalog just recently. Um and Wendy Lucy was one of them, and it's a very good movie. Uh, we talk about pretentiousness. That's a very pretentious movie. <laughs> Not a lot going on in there. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Social Network is 34, talking about film bros. That's probably the most film bro-y movie uh, you know, out there in existence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the movie... It's we, very film bro-y. The movie we were just talking about, Portrait of Lady on Fire, is 33. That's way too low, in my opinion. What do you think? I think that is definitely too low. But, okay. I mean, here's the thing. Yes. Like, like, you know, this is... Film is subjective, and as someone who, as we, I brought this up last time, when you were like, let's pick apart this list bit by bit, you, you can do that with lists, but, you know, yeah. everybody's going to have a different list, and it's and nobody's list is going to be exactly the same as anyone else's. Someone might sure. have something higher than you, someone might have something lower than you, or higher yeah. or lower than the consensus. But, you know, what's important is just, instead of being like, let, let, me, let me just look at this number, and yeah. instead of being like, oh, In the Mood for Love is number eight, it should be higher or lower. Well, let's see what they actually wrote about it. But nobody actually reads the words, anything, yeah. any of the words. They just look at the numbers and then they're like, click, move on. Yes, exactly. Uh, Brokeback Mountain, number seven. Uh, Spirit Away, number... Oh, yeah, you're like, yes, exactly. Yeah. Continue doing that. Yes, I will. I will. Spirit Away, number <laughs> six. Uh, Mulholland Drive, number five. Zodiac, number four. That's a very film bro movie. Like David Fincher is very, you know, that's the second movie on here. Um. Yeah, 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 it is. Coen Brothers, but I love it. It's my Coen, favorite Fincher movie. Yes, I would say too. Uh, very close um, to to Social Network. I think Social Network and Zodiac are one and two. They can switch. What positions. did they say about Zodiac, Damien? I, what, I did, what was his that, argument? A lot, of, a lot of big words. Um, it says oh, okay. something well. about a trip, tripartite character study. Something about um, uh, ghoulish suspects. I yeah, I'm not sure. I just zoomed right over that. <laughs> right, right. This, as did everyone else who complained about this article. With this mesmerizing slow boil thriller, Fincher didn't so much shatter genre molds as sneak up on them in the thick of night. His maneuvers as deft as they are methodical. That sentence is very pretentious, so that's why I moved past yeah, it. it. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite directors, probably my favorite director, favorite living American directors are the Coen Brothers. Inside Lewin Davis, Lewin Davis is sitting at number two. Um, I think we even talked about the Coen Brothers, and you haven't seen in, in, David Inside You and Lewin Davis, correct? I've covered it on my show. What are you talking about? Oh, okay. I thought that was the one you didn't see. We should do <laughs> no, a Coen Brothers. We should do a Coen Brothers I, top five. Yeah, we should. Maybe yes. maybe it was a while ago because I yeah. didn't see it until like last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we should do. Yeah, we should do a Coen Brothers ranking. That'd be cool. Absolutely. Um, I need to see. I need to see some of their earlier stuff, but. Yeah, I I did go back recently. Oh, I say recently, I mean within the last five years, and finally saw um, 
what's the uh, Nick Cage one? Yeah, Raising Arizona. Finally saw. Oh right, right. Saw their yeah. first one, which was uh, not Miller's Crossing. The one with uh, Francis McDormand. Um, Fargo. So, no, it was before, way before. It was like ten years oh. before that. Um, well, she's in like all of their movies. That isn't many of them. She's in Fargo. She's in the. Um, the one with George Clooney, the. Um, um, oh, uh, Burn After Reading. Burn After Reading, and also um, uh, Hail Caesar. That is a good movie. I They're need to cover movie. that on Underrated at some point. You should. You should. So I saw Blood Simple, um, the first one in 1984. I saw Raising Arizona. I have the Criterion version of Miller's Crossing. Barton Fink is very good. Um, then Hudsucker Proxy. Eh, I, I've gone back and watched it a couple times. Not not one of their best. Fargo is very good. Big Lebowski, um, you know, people call that their favorite, and they would say that's one of their best. I will go back and forth on that one. Um, Old Brother. Oh, I love that movie. Old Brother, I, I, I need to see more times to go through it. I, I, I remember liking it a lot. Um, I don't think, I think I saw Men wasn't there once. I uh, don't remember much about it. Um, Intolerable Cruelty, I think, is the only one I haven't seen of theirs. Um, Lady Killers, I saw, which is probably uh, the one of their people biggest. do not like that one. They don't. Um, no Country is obviously my favorite movie of all time, so that's my number one pick for oh, them. Wow. Oh well, spoiler. <laughs> I guess. I guess yeah, we don't so need to do that episode now. We don't need to. No, we just did it. Barn After Reading, I, I need to re rewatch. I haven't seen that in a long time. I love A Serious Man. That's one of the first times, probably the first time I saw Michael Stuhlbarg. Uh, True Grits, very good. Inside Elon Vegas, we talked about. Hail Caesar is very good. Ballad of Buster Scruggs is very good. And uh, Tragedy Macbeth is technically, you know, it's one of theirs. You know, it's one of the, yeah, one of the Coen's. it's like half of a Coen bros. Ha- half, a yeah. co- half a Coen, yep. So there's that. So, yeah. Some, some some numbers and some films with numbers next to their names <laughs> on that list. Yeah. So yeah, a couple a couple trailers came out this week. Um, the Sympathizer is a movie starring Robert Downey Jr. It's going to be one of his first this saves me big, a ton of- um, post MCU roles. I think one of the first ones he did was that. Um, what was that guy? Oh, the, the animals. Doctor Doolittle. Doctor Doolittle, exactly. So that was. That was whatever that was. I didn't see that. I don't know if you did. Yeah, nobody <laughs> did. It, it, like, look at the box office numbers. No one ever saw that movie. So this uh, Sympathizer is going to be a HBO limited series coming out next year, 2024. It's going to be uh, directed by Park Chan-wook, um, obviously starring um, Robert Downey Jr., um, Sandra Oh, um, some other people in it as well. Uh, very good. Very good novel. I read that one and I read the sequel to it. Um, very good. Takes place in the 60s and 70s about a uh, Vietnamese um, intelligence officer that was working for the Vietnamese government, but is pretending to work for the CIA at the same time. Um, so, yeah, love that stuff. I okay. love like, yeah, um, noir, detective, noir, all that good stuff. Did yep, you ever so- say what number one on the list was or did we just move past that? Oh, the Hollywood Reporter thing. Uh, number one yeah. was Yee Yee. It was an Andrew, Edward Yang movie it was, it was a magnum opus they're calling it uh, i did i did see it uh this year maybe last late last year didn't really like it it's very long uh, it's uh, lugubrious it's um reminds me of right what are you, are you scoffing at my use of lugubrious no you just you just just talked a bunch of shit on the hollywood reporter for using a bunch of big words and then you're like i found it lugubrious i, I was that was um what do you call that not not sarcastic but i was being uh callback 
The callback, yes. Facetious. Thank you. I can't ever say that word. Facetious. I was being facetious, yes. Um, but yeah, it is It is slow. It's a slow-moving um, character piece, and it's a very lovely, lovely little movie by Edward okay. Yang in 1999. Yep. Uh, so that was number one. So cool. I haven't seen it. <laughs> haven't seen it, yes. No. Uh, I think I got the DVD off Criterion. I think it was one of those sales I got. Oh, um, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with me, yeah. and I, this, yeah. there's like a tweet I saw, and this just defines me. Is yes, is uh, you know, I can whenever I'm like online and talking to film people, it's like either I'm uh, when I mention a film, it's either basic for like the film bros or like too pretentious for everyone else. I'm in that fucking horrible middle ground where it's just like everyone's just like thinks I'm either very pretentious because I like Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is a movie that is pretentious to a normal person, but to a film bro, they're like, actually, if you really like Celine Sciamma, you really have to watch, you know, uh, Tomboy, where the fuck, you right. know, some shit no one's ever heard of. Um, yeah, I basically um, try not to give a shit about any of that. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to say I don't, but uh, I just look at a movie and I'm like, is this did this work in spite of the fact that it was slow? You know, did this hold my attention despite the rhythm of it? You know, Portrait of Lady Fire yeah. definitely does because you're waiting for the next scene. You're waiting for the next like meeting between them two. You're waiting to see if they're going to be discovered. So. You have to sort of go into a movie like that with that expectation of like, yeah, I, I can see based on the trailer, based on the subject matter, what kind of movie it's going to be. You know, the same thing with The Power mm-hmm. of the Dog. Bill Simmons called it The Power of the Nap. But it's like, bro, <laughs> you know the director, you know her type of movie she is, you know her, you know the pace she works at. So, you know, when I go into movies like that, I'm just like, I know what I'm getting. You know, I think we, that's why I was so like, not stunned, but like taken aback at your... Um, when you're talking about uh, what was that horror thing you watched the other day, or the, the Skittermerink? I was like, oh, you know, Skittermerink. Yeah, if you go into a thing like that, you're like, okay, this is gonna be very, very, very slow and experimental, and uh, yeah, yeah. And I went to it knowing that, and yeah. it was that didn't change the fact that it was super boring. I wanted to yeah. give it a chance. Right. I was like, you know what? I've heard this is very divisive, but I'll give it a chance. Maybe, maybe literally anything will happen and yeah. then you know that was that was incorrect right yeah um and just going back to you know how we sort of look at movies it's you know i just i'm trying to make my own decision make my own uh, mind up about these things and i put my stuff out there and if people don't like it then that's, that's fine you know and i don't yeah. I, I try not to be like okay you know no country for old men like let's let's take that for example one of the most popular movies of all time it's won the best picture it's a very popular movie it's very it's it's mainstreamish as as mainstream as the coen brothers get and it's in, as mainstream as a best picture winner gets right but i'm still going to call it my, my favorite movie of all time because i i love how it plays with the form and how it plays with the expectations of the hero winning you know 99% of the time the hero wins right so I love that effect about it I love that it um the main character isn't even the hero you know 99% of the time the hero wins and the hero is the main character and this it's it's uh Ed Tom um Tom Tom Lee Jones's character uh is the is the guy you follow throughout the story so there's that fact in there so yeah there's just you know, you could say like, oh, I'm just being a film bro by liking saying that's my favorite movie. But it is because of all those reasons that I just listed. So, yeah, I mean, like like I'm not, I'm not saying that about you. I'm just saying, you I know, know, uh, know, yeah, just like like what you like, you know, like and, what uh, you like. Yes. Yeah. And if you like the movie Moto, the Disney Channel original movie Motocrossed more than you like The Godfather. Sure. Um, that's with, fine. Then good for you. That's, that's fine. Really, you know, literally fine. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is uh, that's how I feel. You know, I think the Godfather is slow and dumb and boring. Sure, uh, yeah. it's not dumb. It's, it's slow and boring though. <laughs> slow, uh, yeah. But uh, and and Motocross is way ahead of its time in the in its gender representation. Right. Uh, but it's still a dumb. That is that is a dumb movie. <laughs> but you know, one works for me much better than the other, and it might not be the one that people expect. Yes, exactly. Um, let's see. We also had a Marvelous trailer. I think speaking of things that might not work for people. Yeah, I right now where I'm at with the MCU is just like. I'll watch it and I'll absorb it and I will just move on. <laughs> I am, um, my spirit has been broken. My Not my body, but my spirit, as, as Bane would say. Um, Ant-Man broke me. I think they are totally lost in the desert, lost in the wilderness in terms of what they're doing with the MCU as a whole and what they're doing with the movies in particular. I don't see this as being anything different from what they're doing right now in terms of just being like, yeah, we're not going to take everything seriously because Endgame was very serious and it was dour and everything. No, I'm not going to say everything. A lot of things from Phase 4 have been just, we're not going to um, focus on the overarching thing. but And we're going to make everything super funny and hilarious and make you know Thor funny. And we're going to make Ant-Man funny. And we're going to make... Um, well, it's not really, you know, Black Panther was very, you know, for obvious reasons, so very much not that. But um, Ant-Man was that. Thor was that. Doctor Strange was that. Um, many other things were that. And it's just, I, I don't know. I'm coming into this with very, 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 very low expectations. So, yeah. <laughs> That's where I'm at with that, yeah. unfortunately. Well, I didn't I didn't see the trailer because I don't like yeah. to watch trailers. Sure, I don't yeah, agree I with your assessment overall of Marvel, um, but... We don't have to get into that. No, we don't. <laughs> so that's out there. It's very strange. I mean, we can, talk, we can talk about like why would they put this out there now? Because a lot of most of the time, right, they're putting out their trailers like one or two months before the movie. Uh, the movie was famously pushed back to November. That's like you know six seven months away from now. So why do you th- why do we think that's they're putting out the trailer out now? So that people will know that it's coming out, and people, it's. I mean, you know, it's it's. Uh, this is about when you come out with trailers, right? Like this is yeah, six months ahead of time or so. So, you know, that's not out of the ordinary. I feel like to be like, all right, like when did the Barbie trailer come out? Barbie's coming out in, in July. And we've had that trailer for like a year now or something, maybe not that long, but a while, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was talking specifically about the MCU, the MCU and Marvel and movies like that generally keep their cards close to their chest when it comes to showing anything about their movies. Right. I don't think, can look back and a lot of the ones the trailers that have come out it's generally i think black panther had like a teaser trailer the teaser trailers you know come out earlier than the regular trailer so i would expect a teaser trailer around now but to have a full you know trailer like this now like seven months before the movie is is pretty uh it's not going by their usual playbook yeah well i mean they look seems like they've been switching some stuff up and uh maybe their films have been a little bit too top heavy so they're doing or front loaded i should say so they're doing well yeah. with the the diehard fans, but uh, they're maybe they're trying to make sure that the moms out there know that this this thing is coming out. Yes, yes, this could very well be. Um, so yeah, the next thing I have on the list is talking about you know what is the perfect purpose of a critic. I have this on here. You know, we talked a little bit about it already, but the Super Mario Brothers movie has one of the largest gaps between uh, critics and um, regular folks, <laughs> the regular Joe Schmoes out there on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Uh, trying to pull up the Rotten Tomatoes score. Uh, I believe it has like a 94 um, audience rating and a 58 
tomato meter rating. Uh, I believe that was a lot less than it was uh, like, like a week ago. Um, but there was a bunch of people on, on TikTok talking about this. Um, Jay Stubes was specifically talking about this of like, you know, wh- again, talking about going into a movie and what your expect- expectations are and then coming out of the movie and being like, yeah, that met my expectations. You weren't, most people shouldn't be going into this movie expecting, like you said, The Godfather it shouldn't be like a, you know, the plot is going to be really intricate and the character development is going to be very robust, right? It's not what you go into this for. So if those things aren't there, then you give it a 96 because it met those expectations, right? So I feel like this is a fundamental misunderstanding of how Rotten Tomatoes work because it's an aggregate and people don't understand that. Um, And Rotten Tomatoes is also really bad for detecting subtlety because it gives if a critic gives it a C plus, it treats it the same as an A plus, and if it gives it a C minus, it's the same as giving it an F. So it loses a lot of that subtlety. Um, so, and then also, I just think that uh, you know th- this is a bad movie, uh, and don't watch it. It sucks. It's a really bad movie. Okay, you want to do what we've been watching right now? You can tell me. Why yeah, I mean, that. we can go to it, but like you, you, you bringing up Mario Bros. Like I, I don't know. What's what's your what's your question? I guess I, I guess. Like well, like I said, like what and you went to this movie right, not expecting mm-hmm. very much. So then, if you went in with yeah. low expectations and it didn't even meet those, then you know what, what yeah, was your expectations that's what going? Yeah, what was your expectations? My expectations is that it would be it would be a movie with um it would be kind of a dumb movie but maybe fun and it would have um a semblance of a plot or characters that made sense um and it would not just be a fodder for YouTube Easter eggs of just how many things references can we put in this uh to the point where we just need to, well, we need to go to this place. Why? Because Donkey Kong is there. Okay. Well, now we need to go back over here. All right, cool. Let's go back. But, but, wait. We have carts. And we'll take the Rainbow Road. Why? Because it's in the games. There's literally yeah. no other reason for us to be doing it. Like, it's just a constant barrage of references and things, which is fine. I appreciate that stuff. Right. But only when it makes sense and it's not detracting from the story. And no one in this movie has an arc. No one like they they I think they forgot did they forget that Luigi was the one who had the arc of being scared because they gave that redemption beat to Mario I'm like he wasn't the one going there was this was you know you can this is a movie it, like people are like oh well it's a kids movie it's a kids movie sure there's plenty of good kids movies there's plenty of kids movies that I as an adult man have enjoyed and watch them in my 30s and be like, this is a good movie that I enjoyed. This was not that. This was just bright, colorful nonsense that, sure, kids will probably enjoy, especially kids who like Mario. But for me, it was completely lacking on it. Like, I was listening to the film cast, and that one comparison they made a lot was to the Super Mario, or to the Lego movie, a movie that also stars Chris Pratt, where he actually gives a performance in that movie. And the thing they kept bringing up is like, yeah, this is a film that is based on a beloved IP that has been around for many, many years. And a lot of people who were kids when they had this this thing that they played with, uh, now it is like kind of repaying them. And watching the Lego movie as an adult, you're like, wow, this is so good. This makes me nostalgic for my childhood. Watching the Mario movie as an adult, you're like, wow, there's Mario. <laughs> 
Yeah. That's it. That's it. Like, yeah. what else is there to say other than, yeah, there was Mario was in that movie. It I, Somehow it's worse than the Bob Hoskins one. I did not <laughs> think that was possible. Right. It's did astounding. You, did you revisit that one recently for the underrated? I did. Yeah. I I, re, I, re, I did it for underrated like a year ago. I, yeah, I revisited it for yes. a different pod. Um, right. I was on my friend's podcast, uh, Common Ride with me. Yes, we talked yes. about it for a bonus episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So astoundingly bad. Yes, I you know I haven't seen it, but I I agree with the assessment that it is. You know, it could be better. Like we, ten years ago, right? If this movie comes out ten years ago, it'll probably get a better rating because there isn't, you know, Lego Movie to compare it to. There isn't uh, Spider Verse to compare it to. When you say there's like there's a lot of movies for kids. Um, they were talking about this on the Big Pick, which is there are movies that are targeted towards kids, and so yes, you're correct in saying there are kids movies. What I think they're missing is that are there good kids movies, you know, quote unquote good kids movies, right? Um, so I'm just, as you were talking, I'm going through the list of movies that were released last year that are quote unquote f- uh, for kids. Um, and some of them that were, you know, well-received. Puss in Boots was well, was well received last December. I still got to catch up on that. I probably will pretty soon. Um, sea Beast was one of the um, high, highly rated ones. Uh, League of Super Pets was highly rated. But then there's so much more that is just like, just just dumpster fire stuff like yeah there's always there's always bad kids that like go back and rewatch the stuff we watched as a kid yeah. like 90 percent of it is terrible like the land for time holds up but like not a lot know. of it a lot of it's not good i don't know about that i mean we were growing i mean maybe you're a little younger than i am but i grew up in the you know the gold, sort of quote unquote golden age of of disney so i think we had a lot of very good yeah the, disney that movies. was there was like a, there's a lot of really good stuff but like Look at go back and rewatch the Land Before Time three, Damien. Yeah, go back and rewatch well, like any of the the multitude of Disney knockoffs that were horrible. Yeah. You know, there's know. there's a lot of bad stuff constantly. There's always some gems. There's always a talking red or turning red every year. Yes, but like there's a there's always gonna be a lot of bad stuff too. And with kids movies, it's not like there's it's new that there's lots of bad kids movies. Yeah, it's just you know we either think of them nostalgically or just completely forget them um, yeah. and lump them in with the good ones that we tend to remember a little bit more. Yeah, I think, you know, you could sort of extrapolate that to the conversation we we're having a couple of weeks ago about like, you know, the um, prestige TV where it's mm-hmm. there's going to be prestige TV. And I agree with you that there will be, but it's going to be harder to find. Like I say that same thing about kids movies. There, there's going to be those good to great kids movies it's going to be harder to find just like everything else. Yeah, I mean, there is just more content now yes. than there was back then for sure. Yeah. So I'm just going through the list. Um, you know, like I think my problem is, and a lot of people's problem is like the, the IPification of everything. So like whole child transform Transylvania is one of those. The thing I was going to say is before I forget is I think the mark of a great movie for kids, quote unquote, for kids, again, it's just, you know, shorthand for whatever. We don't know what a kid's movie is. You know, Bell is technically a kid's movie, but that was, you know, for adults too. You know, a great kid's movie is going to be a movie where... Uh, what's up? We talking about the Bell movie that came out last year or talking about yeah. Beauty and the Beast? The, the Bell movie that came out last year, the anime, oh, okay. movie, anime movie. Yep. I didn't I didn't see that. I didn't know that was a kid's movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it does no sex violence, none of that. So I would, I would show that to like a nine-year-old. Um, okay. So what I was going to say was it... A great kids movie is a movie that adults won't mind watching 30 times. You know, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. a yeah. that's a pretty good, you know, uh, barometer for what a quote unquote good, good to great kids movie is. Right. 
Yeah, that's why like I get parents all the time coming in looking for Bluey books because they're like, oh my god, I can watch this. This is emotionally yes. intelligent and, and funny. Yes. I mean, I haven't watched exactly. it. I don't have any exactly. kids and I never will. But um, yeah. like, you know, kids, parents are loving Bluey. Exactly. Emotionally intelligent has has deeper themes running through it. Yes, exactly. So and those things that that uh, uh, element, I think, is a missing from from more more and more animated things being put out there. I would say you said, you know, there's some, there's many good things being put out there. I would say that one specific quality of, you know, does it speak to deeper and more adult oriented themes? I think that that mm-hmm. one through line is missing from a lot of stuff being put out there right now. Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, there's there's always good and there's always there's always bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see. Let's get to what we've been watching. Um, before I forget, I'm gonna throw right now, real quick, to um, some one of the best episodes of TV right now. I'm putting my foot down, <laughs> plant my flag right now. Um, let me ask you this uh, before mm-hmm. I throw it to it. Um, you're not somebody that watched Succession, so did you have this ruined it for you, and were you pissed off? What'd you, what no, so don't tell me anything. Okay, all right, I will not. Um, that is all impressive, right. though. I I want to say right now that is impressive, <laughs> being somebody that I, I imagine is as online as I am um, to be yeah. on, as aligned you are, and not having to ruin. That's, uh, that's impressive. Very good. Good job. Yeah, I mean, I I had everything from Game of Thrones ruined for me. Yeah. So uh, so I'm somehow so you know I'm sure this will be ruined for me at some point unless sure. I get to watch it immediately. But yeah. You know. Did you specifically avoid places that were putting it out there? Did you put like a, <laughs> did you put a um, ban on the word succession in your search? Terms no, I mean, I feel like it? it's, I was, I feel like it's less spoil. Like, I don't know, stuff that's more spoilery is more genre stuff, you know, yeah. like Game of Thrones or, uh, you know, something like that, where it's just like, oh, there's this big, you know, they're very like fantasy or sci-fi things that's you know like marvel stuff or star wars like the mandalorian i'm always getting spoiled like i always watch the mandalorian and ted lasso come out every week on wednesday yeah i never have to worry about any ted lasso spoilers but i always have to worry about mando spoilers because those kind of people i feel like the people who are spoiling the mandalorian are online and spoiling things a lot more than the people who watch ted lasso or succession yeah they were talking about this on the prestige podcast about how there are a lot of the headlines in like major newspapers like LA Times and a lot of places like that uh, had this the event and what happens in it spoiled. I like the, the headline mm-hmm. of it. So, yeah, it's like everywhere. Um, so, yeah, I'll throw to our conversation right now with me and Dion talking about season four, episode three, Connor's Wedding. Joining us today, the prestigious, intrepid Hollywood reporter, Dion. What's up, man? How are you doing? Hey, man, I'm great. Prestigious, huh? Thank you. You must value my opinion. Yes, I upgraded you to prestigious. (laughs) Prestigious Hollywood I made it, guys. I fucking made it. You fucking made it, man. So we're here today to honor and show love to the great great man of Succession, um, one of the great iconic characters of all time. We're here to talk about Succession Season 4, Episode 3, Connor's Wedding, directed by Mark Mylod, written by creator and showrunner Jesse Armstrong. So they brought out the big guns for this one for a very particular reason. Big, huge, all the spoilers for this episode and really all episodes of Succession. So if you want to hear spoilers, turn this shit off right now. This is going to be the entire segment of the show. 
uh, yeah, all the spoilers in this episode. Logan Roy, the patriarch of the family, of the Roy family, the CEO of Waystar, Waystar Royco, died on a plane at 30,000 feet. The king is dead. Long live the king. Dion, what'd you think of this episode? Uh, I, I've i never seen an episode of television like this one. Right. Uh, it was it was such a realistic dep- depiction of like what an, uh, an ad- uh, sorry abrupt and untimely death looks like felt like um, right. felt like you were watching a tragedy unfold you know the great Logan Roy might be dead uh, oh wait no no he just feels ill it's fine oh wait yeah. no no he collapsed he collapsed no 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 he just needed to take a shit. No, 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 no. Chest compressions? <laughs> We're at chest compressions now? Right. No, right. Well, I mean, he's breathing a little bit. Oh, no, actually, he's probably not. I'm going to put you against his ear. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the, the episode starts off with, it seems like, you know, he um, Logan's going to be fine. He's, he's doing his machinations. He's been... You know, he's been sick for a while, so we've seen this coming, right? Just to set the stage, right. we've seen this coming. The entire show has been about this. The show is called Succession for a reason. One of these kids is going to take over or wants to take over, right? That was the entire premise of the show from the very beginning. Um, Jeremy Strong said in that um, Extra Future thing on HBO Max, he said he was surprised when Jesse told him, and it made sense dramaturgically. So it's like, bro, <laughs> we're talking about <laughs> human emotions here, and you, have, of course, bust out the dramaturgically, right? That's just him. Hey, man. That's him as a person. Peter boy, come on. <laughs> Cut him some slack, right? <laughs> right. That's what a lot of people were saying of like, you know, people have been making fun of him for doing the method acting thing for a long time, but apparently it pays off, right? Oh yeah, I mean in this episode it definitely paid off. You had we had Snook Snook and uh, Culkin. They were like, "Oh man, it's hard to separate what's real and fake. It's it's hard to compartmentalize what uh, what's going on and leave it on the set." And then uh, you got Jeremy Strong like, "Ah no, I killed my own parents just to to stay in the mood for the for the two weeks until until we get this episode pounded out." Yeah, I'm set. I'm good to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Connor, uh, I forget the actor's name, but uh, he was talking about how he didn't really have to act in that scene. Like you see his face, you see when Shiv is there telling him the news and his face just drops and she's just there. And he, he's like, the, he was probably said the most like coherent and I don't want to say sincere, but most authentic and most, you know, well, well put together things that he said that anybody said in this episode. A lot of it was, you know, Shiv and Roman and Kendall just being like, uh, uh, fuck you, uh, you yeah, piece of shit. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I love you, but I hate I you. I love you, but daddy, no. <laughs> yeah. Connor, <laughs> no. you know, he was like, he never loved me. He never liked me. I never, I never got his approval. Like he, he never, right. I never made him proud. It's just like, Jesus. So then the whole part yeah. near the end where he's talking to his wife and he's like, like my dad is dead and I feel old. Oh my god! Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. I thought. I mean, this is like the the second episode in a row that that Connor's kind of like definitely come out as as uh, the I don't know the most self aware uh, Roy. Yes. You know, like uh, he's the oldest, so he has like the closest. You know, he knows, okay, he died. I'm probably next, right? Because he's the oldest. He's the closest next to, to death amongst the, the three kids. So it makes sense that it would, you know, hit him the, that hardest. Um, you know, talk, just staying on the Connor thing, uh, early on in the episode, we learned that, you know, when he had his mother or when his mother was institutionalized by Logan, yeah. he ate cake for like a week straight. So that was where that loony, the loony cake came from. Cake. And now... Yeah. 
he's having more cake at his wedding when his dad dies. He, just uh, he's being <laughs> pulled away from an argument about cake. Yeah, <laughs> like yes. his war on cake continues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so your kryptonite is kids in danger. Mine is dead dads. So you know, anytime oh, no. this shit gets brought up, I'm just like, oh, whew. and I watched this at work. I made the mistake of watching this at work. Like you were like, this is an incredible episode. I'm like, okay, I'll be fine. This is gonna be fine. I'm gonna watch this at work on my phone. Nope, <laughs> barely holding myself together watching these people. You know, go through the same thing I did. Um, you know, Lion King stuff like that about time feel the mm-hmm. dreams that that hits me hard we were talking about feel the dreams for our you know uh movie cage match thing and you're like yeah it's fine i'm fine yeah i watch so watch yeah. the end he's like hey dad you want to have a catch and you're like yeah he wants a catch so what i'm like it's the fucking thing in the Dude, movie. i can't even <laughs> i can't even yeah i I'm, like, oh, even. I'm sorry yeah, yeah, yeah. So where does this, you know, this is a very recent episode. We're just coming down from it, coming down from the high of this. Where do you, Dean, I'm going to put you on the spot here, but I'm going to give you some uh, jumping off points here. Where do you put this in your best episodes of TV of all time? We have, you know, Ozzy, Ozymandias from Breaking Bad, Randy Castamere from Game of Thrones, The Dinner Party and The Office. Um, good place reveal for you right now. Where do you put this in your pantheon of best TV shows, best TV episodes of all time? Uh, man, that's a good question. Uh, not really, just just a loose estimation. I'd say probably three, could be two. Three, okay. You know? Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, it really, it was just like how it made me feel, man. It was... Uh, it, it felt like the slow trickle of information. It felt like like a catastrophe. Like everybody's yes. just catching news at the same time, and it, like there's like panic. There's there's uh, hysteria. There's it's it, it was just this weird mirror of of how we get information these days. And 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 you got this titan of industry, Logan Roy, and it's just like what would be the equivalent of him. Uh, in the world, I mean, that's basically what we were looking at, you know, and this is like the parents or the, the kids finding out. But then, like, there was that leak and then slowly the world's finding out. Like, you could tell the stock's yeah. dropping and it's like, oh, there's dad. Uh, yeah. But yeah, just just how how it presented itself. Like, awesome, awesome job from the writers on this one, um, the, or the, the showrunners, because it's just the, the way that it was presented was just amazing. So, yeah, easily in my top three of episode uh, TV episodes yeah. I've seen. Yeah. What, you know, like you said, great writing, what the best writing can do and what the best projects can do is, you know, make you hate somebody, make them a villain, make them despicable people, but then have like one episode where you're like, oh man, I feel bad for them, even though <laughs> they're the worst people in the world. You know, um, the bear yeah, did this. Because at the base, is, <laughs> if this is someone's dad dying, you know, and trying yeah. to come to terms with that. And not to mention all this bad blood that was never resolved. Like you had, he, he actually apologized in the last episode, but it was like this Logan Roy apology like I don't yes. know how to apologize sorry you feel bad kind of <laughs> but yeah. like that's the closest they got to reconciliation and then you got this happening it's like shit now it, yeah. it never happens and that's something they're all gonna have to come to terms with and, and I don't think they all can honestly do you think um the real life people like the um it's the guy the CEO of Fox News um 
Like basically, that's what Logan Roy is based off of. Do you think the family, his family, will be going through something like this? Robert Murdoch. Robert Murdoch. Thank you. Yeah. Do you think his kids and his family will be going through something as as introspective and as emotional when he dies, or do you think the real life people are even more uh, emotionless, hostile human beings that they can't even feel feelings like this? I mean, I bet they hold that man to like uh, an impossible standard. Like, they'll definitely be distraught about it. Like, but. In a way, yeah, it is. There is the emotionless husk thing, but at, at like I said before, at the base level, it is someone's uh, father dying. So yeah, I could see, yeah. I could see that happening. Yeah, and and it's it's something that they're they're not um, equipped for because their whole life they've just thrown money at their problems, right? They just have a problem. Oh, throw some money at it. Um, and this is the one thing that you can't throw money at. Like Kendall was going through that whole like, you know, give me the best doctors, give me the best heart surgeons, give me the best thing, the best of that and make sure this whole thing's taken care of. And he's like, you can't do it. Sorry, son. You know, the Frank was telling him, sorry, son. And those little, those little tidbits of like, well, let me finish the, the rich point. You know, you can't buy that stuff. He's, he's trying to talk to the um, pilot to get him to come down quicker. And he's trying to get, you know, the best heart surgeons. And he's trying to organize the stuff and trying to throw money at it, throw his power behind it. But, you know, he's realizing, oh, this is that one thing that you still can't control is, you know, people dying. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah, uh, so, yeah exactly. Just like you said it. Yeah, he um, those are those little flourishes and those little um, bits of seasoning throughout the episode where you see these people, you know, talking to each other in the way that they almost never do. You you have um, uh, Kendall saying, come here, Shiv, baby, or whatever, Shiv, honey, right? As he's right. bringing her with him. Um, Comforting. You have Frank. Huh? Being comforting and everything. Yes. Like, and, like a and bigger brother, like an older brother. Yeah, um... Frank was saying, I'm sorry, son, you know, he's gone. He's, his heart stopped, you know, son, this is it. He's calling him son. Those are just a little flourishes that you see in there when shit really goes sideways and they really have to like, you know, drop all the pretenses of like being assholes to each other and just be siblings to each other. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, like even when it kicked off, Tom trying to get a hold of Shiv and, uh, Shiv was sending him a voicemail and everything and he tried over and over to do it. And even when like, um, he got a hold of, uh, 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 Romulus, yeah. he 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 was he was asking about Shiv because like you could tell his focus on it was how is she going to take the news, you know? So like yep. that uh, for this moment, like they're, and they're going through their divorce and everything or separation or whatever it is at this current moment, but it's like he put that aside because like she it, like in his eyes it, it, she kind of took priority. So even though they were beefing. You know, and, and yeah. even Tom too. Like when he was talking to, to Greg, right? Like he went. Yeah. He had that that awesome scene where he was like going from kind of like this hysteria, like you got to delete this folder, blah 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 blah, and then he he goes to crying. He's like, no, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. And like the, the yeah. whole the whole facade just dropped. And it's just crazy how how a big asshole like that could impact so many people on such an emotional level. Yes, well said. Um, you know, the other thing, Carrie, in that scene, fucking uh, uh, um, Logan's <laughs> side piece comes out of the bathroom or the back room, whatever. She's like, that, wow. She's like smiling and she's like, wow, that's that was crazy. crazy. That was crazy. <laughs> she's just like, like what? What is the matter? You could have you, blood woman? dripping off her face and hold it, put yeah. an axe in her hand, and it has the same like <laughs> impact. Like that's what I thought immediately when she came out. She's like, "Whoa, he's he's fucking dying back there. Weird. <laughs> what happened? Weird. What is going on right now? Yeah, fucking um, 
Tom's face, like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Christian Bale in American Psycho. Yeah. That's, how I, that's uh, what I saw. But what yeah, the like the balding, the, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> She's clearly in shock. I guess, yeah, Jesus. So, um, yeah, just just an incredible episode of TV. You know, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, but the um, the thing that great writing does is it allows you to set up, you know, absolutely venomous and poisonous and just the worst people you can ever imagine watching them week to week and being like, fuck all these people. But then um, I think I mentioned uh, the bear from last year had um, this just piece of shit character named Richie, Cousin Richie, um, played by Evan Musk Beckerack. Just a tyrant, just a piece of shit. And in the second to last episode, he gets, he gets, you know, somebody tears into him and just she's saying stuff like, you know, this is why your brother doesn't love you. This is why your dad left. This is why this shit happened to you because you're a piece of shit. Just tears into him and he's just sitting there like, okay, all right, stop, stop it. And just like, oh, man, <laughs> it's the same thing here. We're just like confronted with the, the most vile people you can imagine. And then one episode, one event, you know, in their life, you Flips can be like, oh, okay, they didn't, they didn't deserve that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> too far. It's and too you far. know what? Another thing too, like uh, you're talking about this this emotional impact that it had on on everybody there. Like, yeah. just just right up to the end, Logan Roy was just doing asshole Loganish things. He could have he could have had this whole episode at his son's wedding that he intentionally yes. ditched. You know, yep. around people, he could have died around people that actually cared about him, and everybody could have had like this weird closure thing there would have been no like oh is he is he is he not uh, like is he breathing like what are we doing like he could have died with people that loved him and yeah. he, he chose to just be an asshole and ditch his son's wedding and just did it in the most logan roy uh way possible it's just this weird contrast to how everybody reacted to the news and what could have been from like if it actually if he had actually gone to that wedding yeah, I mean, it mirrors um, a lot of the stuff. You know, the last time we see him mirrors sort of the first time we see him. He's sick. He's dying in the first couple episodes. And then Kendall and everybody there are there to be by his bedside. And he, when he wakes up, he's like, what the fuck are you people doing here? And he's like, well, he almost died. He wanted to be here. He's like, fuck that. Do business. <laughs> there's business yeah. to be done. Why are you all, you know, circling around me when there's deals to be made? And it's just like, okay, well, he died the way he lived, doing business, you yeah. know. Gotta make the sale, you lily liver fuck. <laughs> um, the last thing he said to Roman was like, you know, fire Jerry. And it's just yep. so fucked up that, you know, if he actually, Roman had, just he actually said it. <laughs> Well, yeah, but it's fucked up that if Roman waited like an hour, he wouldn't have had to do that. Right. You know, it exactly. would have been a completely different dynamic when he's like going into that room and Jerry's there and he's like, I need the room. And she's putting on her shoes and he's like, you know, I'm sad. I feel sad. I feel numb. And she's just like, fuck off. <laughs> you know, right. it could have been it such a different. Hug. Yeah. Give me a hug. And she's like, no, fuck you. It could have been such a different, you know, outcome and such a different situation there if he had just waited like, you know, an hour before he told her that, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, in a way, you know, we can't forget that Roman kind of deserves that shit. Yeah. One of the reasons why Logan finally said, hey, tell Jerry that she's fired, you right. know, is for Roman sending her unsolicited dick pics. Jerry yes. has every right to be pissed off and knock him yes. a hug because he feels bad. But I mean, there was know, that. It's like, yeah. Yeah. But then you had like the the other side of that, like Tom when he was telling um, 
Greg that he's going to have to go onto his computer and delete the the, the what what do you call it like the folder that's marked uh, Intel or something like that. I don't yeah, forget. yeah. <laughs> but like he was he was supposed to be cutting people too, and because Logan died. He's like, all right, delete that uh, personnel files or whatever. Like, maybe we can hold off on like firing people right now because we need stability right now. So he was like, what what Roman probably wishes he could have done. Like, I didn't want to tell Jerry this, and now I, it, it just compounded all these other issues that that Roman had going on. And Tom kind of got like an easy way out. It was like, oh, he's dead. I haven't fired anybody yet. Maybe I don't have to fire anybody. Yeah, it worked out yeah. for him. Yeah, it did. Yeah, um, you know, down, down our episode, obviously, not a lot of, not a lot of, you know, quippy lines, but somebody was mentioning in the background of like, you know, Scrooge, <laughs> Peter Scrooge was, you know, uh, cast in a in a bad light. He was he was, he was a job creator. It's like <laughs> fuck all you people, <laughs> <laughs> a job creator. Oh man. Um, so yeah, just just incredible. One of the best episodes of TV of all time, really. Yep, yep, I agree. Um, yep. Do you have like a standout? Oh, sorry, standout performance from it? Yeah, I mean, I was. They were all so fucking good. I think Sarah Snook, when she was told about that again, the little, little like, you know, leaks of humanity from these people of like, is it mom? And you hear, so you see what her priority was. Not thinking about her dad. Um, Sarah was obviously incredible in that. I think the reactions from Jeremy Strong on the phone. Again, like we're talking about this, but we haven't really mentioned like he died in a plane. They're all trying to figure out what's going on by the phone. So it was very much like, you know, this is what death looks like in 2023 of like somebody can die far away and you have to sort of coordinate by the phone. Um, man, I mean, they were all incredible. Like, I think, uh, like yeah. you said, I think we mentioned Connor was, you know, sort of the linchpin of the whole thing where it's sort of, it's his wedding and him with talking to, to Willa and them having that conversation. So, yeah, I think to answer your question, I think it was Tom and Willa where there's, where she's like, you know, are you Connor? with me for the money? And instead of saying no, she's like, well, it's nice. <laughs> the security yeah, it's is nice. nice. And the, all of this lifestyle is nice. Um, so I'm not going to run. I'm not going to run today. <laughs> today, I'm, I'm going to stay with you. Um, there yeah. was a little, like, people were going through this with a fine-tooth comb, and they're like, she was she written vows for herself, and and uh, Connor wrote vows. So there is some authentic love there. Um, mm-hmm. If you zoom out, you can see she had bridesmaids with her, and there was three empty chairs where the, his siblings would have been. So that was interesting. So, yeah, I think, you know, stand-up performance, stand-out um, Character arc and character performance um, probably was a uh, counter for me. What about you? Yeah, yeah, I agree. It was the same thing. Just the last two episodes really got turned me into a con head. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's the only one that's not babbling like an idiot most of the time. He still manages to, to bag his dream girl at the end of the episode, and he shakes that monkey off his back of of, of needing his father's love or anything like that. The the respect, like he at the end, he's like sitting there with with Willa, and you know they get married and. Like, it almost feels like, hey, Connor can now move on. The other three, they got to figure out their own shit. But Connor, in this moment, he's probably as happy as he's ever been. Yeah, and it was it was interesting. It was telling that uh, Kendall and Roman found out, and they were talking to him for a while before getting Shiv, right? But then they don't even really think about Connor right up until the last, like, you know, a few moments oh, where yeah, they already, he was an afterthought. You're at yes. Connor's wedding and he was an afterthought for everything. Y- y- yes. Which is very telling. Um, 
was I going to say? Yeah, you know, the Jeremy Strong on the phone. When he's like, he's talking to, was it? Was he talking to Frank? And he's like, is, is he gone? You know, is he gone? And the fucking face he makes, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Kudos <laughs> to Frank for actually like telling him too. He's like, hey, man, I'm, yeah. I'm going to be, I'm going to really be real with you right now. Yeah. I think he's gone. Like, that's what's like the one thing Tom refused to say. Like, he, he would just yeah. would not say Logan is dead or anything. But he's like, this guy's been my, my, I've been near this guy for the last 30 years. Yeah. And I don't feel good saying it. But yeah, he, he's he's probably gone. Oh, the fucking uh, quick quick cut to a person's face was um, Logan's driver. Remember that guy? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, just uh-huh. like a lost he's, puppy dog. Just like where's my he's master? He's the one that took it the hardest out of everybody. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh man. Yeah. That's yeah. That, I can see like Logan too. Like he can't, he's, he's nonverbal, but he's hearing everybody. And the whole time he's just like, Oh, what's my driver? Uh, when's my driver get on? <laughs> I want to hear what he has to say. Yeah, exactly. So, yep. So where, did, uh, where do we go huh? from here? Where do we go from here? Well, how do you, you guys see the last seven episodes playing out? They are going to want to the three kids, the you know, Kendall, um, Shiv, and Roman. Um, they're going to vie for CEO ship. I think the old guard are going to vie for that as well. I think they teased a lot of the next season. They're the, the rest of the season um, with Connor running for president. Maybe not. Maybe he wants to slide in there. Tom is going to be on the outs because that was his anchor. His anchor was Shiv, and his anchor was with. Um, with Logan being on his side, being his like right hand man. So without Logan, that really kicks Tom out to this to the sidelines a lot. Trouble. And you saw that in the preview of like them saying of of Tom asking, he must have asked, like, you know, what do you think about chances of getting CEO? And the guy was like, Honestly, you, you kinda suck. You're kind of a riding the coattails and you're kind of a nobody, you kinda got no business experience. So overall, pretty shit <laughs> potential for you to yeah. be CEO. And he's like, Wow. That's the brutally honest. It's like, yeah, well, you asked for yeah. it. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, overall, it's going to be, this is probably, you know, what the reason it was, the thing we've been waiting for, right? They've been vying for the, the position, but it wasn't really realistic with Logan still on the seat. And now it is very much about somebody actually getting the seat because there's nobody there to say, well, I'm going to sit here for a while. I'm not going to actually yeah. retire. So very, very interesting to see what's going on. Very going to be going to be very interesting to see again who's going to see. Do you think the they fight each other? This, huh? Do you think they fight each other? Yeah, Sorry. they're going to have yeah. to, right? I mean, if I was well, in I this mean, position, you think yeah. about it. You think about it though, because like on the plane, there was that group that Tom was a part of. Uh, I forget who the other people in the. You had Frank, you yeah. had um, the other guy, and you had this this woman and they're like we need to draft a statement we need to do the professional business end of this like logan roy died we need to have a statement to to give to people and then like when you you, a little bit of a flashback when logan roy was saying like you guys you're not serious people like he's talking to his kids you're not serious you just like saying the biggest numbers sometimes you just like doing things to piss me off you're not serious like could you see like that group of people Buying, yeah. like somehow edging them out and they end up with nothing. Yeah, because yeah, you have um, the two groups, the two factions are the old guard, the seasoned veterans of Carl. Uh, let me see. Carl, um, Frank, Carl, that's the other Carolina. Guy. Well, Carolina is kind of the younger ones of them. But Frank, uh, Carl, um, who was else on the board there? 
uh, the board obviously uh, will appoint somebody eventually. Um, who else was in there? Carl, Tom. Who was on the plane? Carl, Tom, Frank, Carolina. Was Carolina. You had Carrie. She was Barry. there. She, well, she's not a serious person. Yeah, no, she, she was in the bedroom. Yeah, she's not was serious. Carl, was Carl on the plane? Carl was on the plane, right? Carl, was he? Carl, Carl's on the plane. He's not the security guy. Who, who was the security guy? The security guy, you mean his driver? Um, no, no, no. The, he, the guy that was on the boat, I'm thinking that guy. Yeah, I think that you oh, named everybody that was on the plane. The plane, yes. Yeah. So you have that group. That group's going to stick together. That group's going to try to put somebody forward from that group, right? And then you're yeah. going to have somebody, you're going to have Roman, Shiv, and Kendall. They're going to have to hash that out. Um, you know, I was just going to say, like, if I'm in this group, I'm just like, whatever. I'm, I'm set for life. I don't really care. Just let me have my input. You know, the CEO... Is going to drive the boat, but it's just whatever. <laughs> Let me be VP. Let me be like second in command, second or third command, whatever. You know, Kendall's probably going to vie for it strongest. I, if I had to guess right now, put my money on who's going to sit in there and throw it at the end of this, probably Roman. I mean, Roman seems like the one that really thinks he can get it. And he's probably going to be the most heartless one. He's probably going to be the one that's going to make the deal at the end. Like he's, he's got, he's hmm. the closest to, um, What's Skarsgård's character's name? I always forget. But he's the closest to him. Madison. Right? Madison, thank you. So he's the closest to him. I think he's the closest um, and the one with the most, uh, what do you call that, current day media savvy, tech savvy, you know, yeah, with all yeah. the stuff that the murders and all that. I think that he's going to convince enough people that he has the quote unquote right stuff to be the leader. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, like he does have um, good intuition, but he, yes. he he does get swayed very easily. Like yes, like uh, um, um, damn, his brother and sister basically yeah. got him Get like off doing yeah. the safe thing to do like the more risky thing for a bigger payoff. He's like, fine, fuck it, whatever. If you grill him hard <laughs> enough, he cracks. Think about this. Think about this step, right, Connor? Yeah. Remember how he was saying like doing all these scenarios for the wedding and he just wanted to make a splash like yeah, i gotta get out there like no 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 uh no press is bad press basically yeah this is is this his press event you know like logan yeah. roy died like is this his push to, to be taken seriously as a competitor for president of the united states imagine him becoming company <laughs> the ceo and the president man <laughs> unprecedented amazing right yeah among the people that are gonna like not be swayed and, you know, go for, go for, go for broke. It's going to be Connor. He's going to just go for it and not, not ever stop. Mm, um, I can't wait. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting. The next seven episodes. Yep. Absolutely. My last question for you. Yes. Is it even worth it to watch without Brian Cox? Oh, well, yes, <laughs> I think, well, that's a good question. I think they came knew this that. far. Think, yeah. The reason they did it, uh, in the last season, and I mean, they could have done it a lot later, uh, but yeah, absolutely worth watching. I mean, that's a big pivot point of the show. One of the big reasons to watch it was him, but it's not the all the whole reason. Um, yeah, that was the. I mean, that, this was the event we were waiting for, and I think they made a really good decision to do it early on. I think if you do it like in the second to last episode, it's like okay, well, you didn't quite leave yourself enough runway to tell uh, a good story um, with what you have left. You know, he dies. Okay, then what? Somebody. You do like a flash forward maybe at the end of this, at the end of the last 
uh, episode, but now you have seven episodes left. You have enough time. You have enough runway to actually flesh out all these characters, give them time to make smart decisions, um, give people, again, this is the stuff I love talking about this stuff because you give enough, you give the public and you give the internet and you give all these people enough time to sort of speculate on what's going to happen. So I think with that respect of like what's going to happen, who's going to make what moves, it definitely is still, you know, worth watching. Yeah, no, I agree. I was being hyperbolic for a fact. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that'll do it. I think that'll wrap us up with this episode. Yeah, great episode of TV. Yep. Like I said, half enjoyment. Love that you're watching this. Love that we can talk about this. Love that we can get our, uh, you know, opinions out there and our, our, our effects, <laughs> what the show had on us out there on tape, on record for, uh, you know, future listening. It's very fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me, yep. man. It's been great. Y- yes, it has been great. So... <laughs> Probably going cutting back to the main show. I'm going to slide this in. Uh, Derek doesn't watch the show. <laughs> so, again, what? it's good to have somebody that we can. Yes, the Trepid Hollywood <laughs> reporter can have you on when stuff breaks, when major right. media events happen. We can bring you on to discuss it, to break it all down. Perfect. I like it. Perfect. Exactly. So, with that, we'll cut back to the main show. Can I say something right now? And we're back. Great, wow, great discussion. Great discussion. That was great. Magic of podcasting coming right back. <laughs> uh, so, yes, speaking very broadly, very generally, no spoilers here for you. Um, yeah, just one of the greatest episodes of TV I've seen probably in a very long time. I'm trying to, trying to, you know, we talked about in the conversation about, um, you know, Breaking Bad, Mandius. We talked about... Um, I don't have my, let me pull up my notes from that. Just talk about some of the episodes I've seen. Um, what are some of your favorite episodes of TV all, all the time? We're talking about like Breaking Bad. And I think you mentioned at the top the um, Lost episode. What was that called? Yeah, the Constant. The, the Constant, the, okay. The Constant is far and away the greatest episode of television ever produced that probably ever will be produced. It's phenomenal as a part of a longer narrative, but you can also just watch it on its own. There's uh, That episode is... Speaking of emotionally intelligent, the way it, I I can see a gif of a certain scene of that episode, and it will literally make me cry. That episode is just such an amazing emotional journey for these characters involved. It's it's just it's the play it plays with storytelling that uses the uh, way that the form of loss that it has built up with the flashbacks, but it, and it uses that form, but it ta- does it in a new way that is completely different that we never see again or before. And it's so smart. It's so great. Desmond is such a great character. The love story between him and Penny is so great. It's just, he's on this survival thing. It's a cool time travel story. Just, just works on absolutely every level. It's, it's phenomenal. Damon Lindelof wrote it. Jack Bender, who directed a lot of the greatest episodes of lost directed it um it's it's never going to be top for me um some other ones i would say sticking with damon lindelof um the episode of the leftovers um the uh, oh my gosh I'm, I'm spacing on the name but it's it's the one where he uh he kind of goes to that hotel that is maybe the afterlife or it is maybe he's just you know having like a brain aneurysm and like not getting enough oxygen uh that that episode i wish i could remember the name of it the book of uh, more no, 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 no. Um, did you watch The Leftovers? Yeah. It's the one where he, like, he he goes to that, like, hotel, and he's wearing the the white suits. Uh, it's, um... Oh, it was one of the second to last episodes, or no? 
No, it's in the middle of season two. Okay. Um, but uh, um, See, but uh, and then also I live yeah. here now. Ten thirteen. No, no. International Assassin, a most powerful adversary. International Assassin. International, International Assassin. Assassin. Okay. Oh yes, yes, yes. yes. yes he had to put yes. his dick in the thing and like. No, like... no, that's the that's the, like the next International Assassin. That's also a really good episode. They, oh, they okay. kind of went back to it, but yeah. Um, that's what you remember. I love it. Uh, but <laughs> yes. yeah. Uh, that that episode is yeah. is phenomenal. Um, I'd say uh, start the uh, or S T A R T. Um, mm-hmm. The last episode of The Americans mm. uh, is one of the greatest finales ever. It's so good and so tense and such a perfect ending for all of those characters. Um, nice. Hard to choose one episode of Chernobyl, maybe Chernobyl. And then uh, the season three finale of Legend of Korra, is, yep. speaking of Korra, is a another really, really well-written episode that just... There's a great video essay on it where it talks about the levels of irony that it uses. And Zaheer is just one of the most interesting characters of all time. He's just such a fascinating villain. And his whole worldview coming into cl- clash with Korra's worldview. And uh, it just, yeah, Korra is such an underrated show. People give it shit because it's not Avatar. Um, but in my opinion, it's it just kind of is the next logical and more interesting step from that already phenomenal show. All right. Very cool. Yeah. Um, just to, I don't know how to talk about this cause it's <laughs> talk about what <laughs> happened in it. Um, so I'll just talk about like the technical stuff about it. Cause they were watched the post, um, you know, the sort of the wrap up of it, the behind the scenes of it. Um, Kieran Culkin plays Roman, one of the brothers. <clears throat> and he was saying like this. So the whole episode takes place um, within, you know, an hour, an hour and a half. So it's a very much real time. It's not one shot, but it feels very much feels like it. Um, and he was saying to the director of it, you know, can we shoot this like 28 page um, scene like, you know, as a as a play basically as a one as a one act play and so what mm-hmm. they ended up doing was placing because they filmed the show they shoot they shoot this film they shoot the, they shoot the show on film so the cameras could only run for like 10 minutes at a time so they had to film this like 40 minute mm-hmm. scene with multiple cameras so they had all of these like canisters of film hidden throughout the uh, hidden throughout the set so, so they, they, they can, shoot it on actual film like not, it's not shot digitally right what? Okay, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, it is a very interestingly shot show overall. This 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 episode in particular, you definitely feel that um, the cameras in a lot of people's faces. It feels very intrusive and very uh, voyeuristic at, at, at a certain point. Um, yeah, just talking about the logistics of it and the acting of it. It was just one of the most incredibly acted um, episodes of TV I've ever seen. You know, there's there's scenes of people just breaking down and hearing about um, hearing about what happens and their faces and their emotions and their, you know, when you talk about like uh, emotional pivotal, emotionally um, devastating things, a lot of, a lot of times, um, especially in, I remember seeing this for the first time in something like uh, fight club where Fincher shoots the reaction to the violence on the ground. So I think I think the censors or somebody told him you can't show the guy getting beaten up. So he sent showed the reaction to it, and that was even more impactful. <clears throat> this this mm-hmm. episode is very much that. You're not seeing the event itself. You're seeing people's reaction to it, and that is I think even more impactful than what actually happens. So you're watching, you know, Sarah Snook, Jeremy Strong, uh, Matthew McFadden, Alan Ruck. They're all. 
um, you know, reacting to the event in their own way. Um, Matthew McFadden is somewhere else and they have to be talking on the phone. So there's a lot of that. There isn't a lot of like, you know, actor on actor. There's a lot of people in the room that, that they're interacting with. So that's a, you know, challenge right there. That's pretty impressive of what they did. Um, with that um, hurdle in front of them that they had to clear, um, yeah, just just overall some of these some of these uh, I can't I can't talk about the you know the dialogue yeah. or the lines that they say that were so impactful, but they. But were. I'm sure you already talked about it with Dion. I did, yes, and again, I don't think I said it at the at the top, but you know. Obviously, massive spoilers for that conversation. So skip ahead, you know, half an hour <laughs> from when I said the conversation so- starts to this point, but. Uh, yeah, I just, it's just, you probably heard, you know, you, you didn't see, you didn't hear about what happened in the episode, but you heard people saying, just, just fawning and coming all over themselves saying this is the most, you know, greatest. I mean, you and Joanna Robinson, that was, yes. the, that was the people I heard. Oh, okay. Okay. So yes, I, just, I'm repeating what everybody else says, but yeah, just, just so you know, it's not type hyperbole. It's not exaggeration. It is in my opinion, one of the best episodes of TV. Yep. Okay. All right. So yeah, are you are you gonna do? Are you gonna wait till the end of the season to, to binge this? Is, is this what your plan is? Probably yeah. I mean, I just got a lot of stuff I gotta watch, and yeah. you know, I don't know when I want to get into Succession. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot seems like a lot, a lot to process. Yeah, exactly. I just got I just binged through a season of some another very intense HBO show, as we'll get to. But <laughs> oh, okay, all right, we'll talk about that later. Uh, very quickly, just some of the stuff I've been reading. Listen to a lot of stuff. Listen to a lot of audiobooks recently. Listen to uh, Gathering of Shadows and a Conjuring of Light. They were a Darker Shade of Magic trilogy by V.E. Schwab. Um, the first book, I really, it really got me. Really, um, you know, pulled me into the world because it was this thing where you have layers of different parallel universes sitting on top of each other. You have gray London, you have white London, you have black London, you have red London. And each of these different parallel what worlds... What about purple London? There's no purple London, apparently. Uh-huh. No. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. So they are... Um, Different different variations on magic. Each each Great London is, is pretty much our world. We have no magic here. And the idea that the 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 what do you call that? The process or the premise of the book is there's like an emanating um, energy of magic next to the red London and gray London's too far to feel it and black London was too close to it, so it burned up. Uh, very interesting concept for the world, but then it just sort of devolves into a very paint-by-numbers uh, fantasy epic of, you know, kings and queens and jesters and just, you know, backstabbing and very, very contrived and paint-by-numbers, like I said, uh, fantasy mm. world. So, unfortunately, didn't dig that too much. Um, did read uh, My Year of Rest and Relaxation by Odessa Mushfig. Mm. I believe that is how you pronounce her name. Uh, if you ever watched like movies like Less Than Zero or American Psycho and Fight Club, it has that, you know, Gen X malaise that like, you know, what are we doing here? It takes place in like 1999, 2000, sorry, before 9-11. And it's very mm-hmm. much just her recently like, what are we what are we doing here? What's the point of life? I'm just going to drink and be on drugs and take it. She's mentioning like, you know, 17 different <laughs> uppers and downers and just taking all these <laughs> pills. And it's very, very well written um, version of that so recommend that if you just want to like a just like a um, you know upper crust uh, bougie white lady having her problems <laughs> in a pre-2000 America so that, that was an interesting read uh, what okay. else All right. what, what have you been reading so I took a break from Lord of the Rings to read a graphic novel a graphic novel biography 
uh, by uh, Maya, and I'm probably mispronouncing this, Mayana uh, Ko, Kobab, Kobabi? Kobabi? Kobabi uh, looks right. And, yeah. uh, and it's called Gender Queer. Um, and it's basically about this person's um, kind of coming to terms with her being a non-binary individual and dealing with her sexuality and wondering uh, when they were a kid, uh, like what, what, like they, they were, or they were like, um, oh, I'm attracted to boys, but I'm also attracted to girls. Am I bi? Am I, and they were talking about how uh, A always fit in, uh, fell in between these kind of things. It's a really interesting, just kind of examination of the spectrum of gender, and it's a really interesting. Uh, just biography, uh, just some very just poignant stories, uh, very just, you know, some stuff you I wouldn't have read necessarily anywhere else. Uh, very honest and uh, very deep portrayal of this person's life and their childhood and grappling with this identity. Um, I found it very, very enjoyable. Um, I would highly recommend it to anybody, um, especially people who are, you know, in the grips of trying to figure themselves out. Um, so I, I liked it quite a bit. Nice. Very cool. How many um, graphic novels have you read in your life that were like this? That were like this? Zero. Like, Zero. I haven't read anything. Okay. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I need, I need to read more. Like, it's, you know, in the same vibe of, like, Fun House or, like, um, yeah, something like that. Um, but... Or a mouse or something. Mouse, uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I have not gotten a chance to read enough stuff like this, so I wanted to, you know, do something different. Yes, um, I just linked in the chat a book called Day Tripper. This is probably one of my favorite books, not just graphic novels, one of my favorite books of all time. Um, highly, highly, highly recommend it. It's about a guy who is, um, he has different, like, um, he goes down different life paths basically it starts when he's like 27 and he's a failing writer and he's trying to live in his dad's shadow and each chapter is a different part of his life and a different like mistake path that he's going down so one of them is like he's 22 and he's with his friend on the beach and he sees a beautiful woman instead of going back to his job with his friend he follows this woman on the water and then the next chapter is him with that woman but they're arguing and they're fighting and then it sort of goes to um you know his friend uh dies on a work trip and so that wasn't quote unquote supposed to happen so then the next chapter is what if that didn't happen what if his friend lived and what if he met a woman in a, in a grocery store and they um, then he runs out and tries to get her number but he, he gets hit by a car then it cuts to you know five years later when they did meet and he didn't die so it's one of my favorite books I've ever read just because it's based on like you know um all of the different it's chapters. It's based on the Butterfly Flex starring <laughs> Ashton Kutcher. Exactly. It's based on that <laughs> exact <kidding>. movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's like, you know, what if, what, it's it's a lot of like, um, not, don't get distracted in life. You know, don't mm -hmm. um, tunnel vision. Don't, um, you know, look at one part of your life. You have to look at your life as a whole. And each chapter is like, you know, him going on a work trip as opposed to being home with his wife when she's pregnant. And he's in the, one of them is he's in the um, hospital and his wife is giving birth and his mother tells him that she needs something from the house. And so he leaves and misses the birth. So it's a lot of like, you know, 
be present, be present in your life, be present for these big moments in your life mm-hmm. and just don't get distracted by the little things. So one of my favorite books I've ever read, highly recommend checking that out. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. they might have even referenced that in like, uh, he did, rem- uh, I'm always forgetting that person's pronouns, but, um, yeah. they do, they do reference, um, a, a few graphic novels and this might have been one of them i can't yeah. remember yeah i've i was into them for a long time uh like in the early early 2000s uh the movie ghost mm-hmm. world was based on a really interesting graphic novel mm-hmm. um there was another one american splendor uh was a graphic novel series i forget the guy's name harvey harvey Picar was the guy that um the art was based on based on that movie on the based on the graphic novel on um, so yeah, I was, mm-hmm. I was really into these sort of weird out there, independent, uh, graphic mm-hmm. novels about, you know, just regular, regular ass people <laughs> as opposed to right. superhero stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. You should, you should check out genderqueer. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting and it's a quick read. You know, I got through it in like, you know, I would just read it on my breaks at work. And so I got through it in like two shifts. Yeah, I definitely. It's not. It's not too much of a commitment, and it's one of those books that has been banned a bunch of places, which is why it's been getting a lot of popularity because people are the worst. People, people are the worst. Yes, exactly. Mm. (laughs) Um, Let's see. So let's get to some stuff we've been watching. Haven't watched a ton of stuff. Uh, Been doing the Tarkov stuff. Been into that. Mm -hmm. Got Deanne into that recently, so I've been helping him out in the game with with him. Um, Last night Mm -hmm. I saw two movies. I saw Air, the new movie directed by Ben Affleck, written by Alex. Convery, Convery, Convery. Um, also stars Matt Damon, Jason Bateman. Um, let's see who else. There's a bunch of people in this. Chris Messina plays uh, Michael Jordan's uh, agent in this. He's very funny. He's very larger than life. Choose scenery in every scene he's in. He's great mm-hmm. in this. Violet Davis obviously plays his mother. Chris Tucker's in this. Um, yeah, so if you're under or if living or under a rock and don't know what this is about, this is uh, the making of the shoe, the Air Jordan, in I believe '84, '85. Um, Jordan has just, uh, I think, just graduated college or just left college to go to the NBA. He's gonna have his um, rookie year either that year or the following year, and they're, so their Nike is trying to sign him to a deal. Um, and it's very funny. I didn't realize how funny this movie was going to be. Um, Affleck is is a guy that's never really been too funny to me. Um, you know, Damon. What has- about all those Dunkin' commercials? Hey, it's me. I'm Affleck. I'm up <laughs> the Dunkin' Donuts. I'm taking up the for Jenny. It's so weird, dude. To like, uh, Mr. Affleck. How about you haven't apples? lived in Boston in forty fucking years. What is this accent that you're doing, man? He's got a Dunkin', man. He's got a. Hey, it's me, Ben. I'm working at Dunkin'. Oh, Jesus Christ. The fucking departed. <laughs> His fucking accent in... I remember watching it in, like, uh, Good Will Hunting, when it came, whatever it came out, like, was it 98, 97, around then? Mm-hmm. And I was like, he sounds like an asshole. Like, I can just tell. Just been looking at his face and his mouth, I'm like... And he is an asshole. He is an asshole, but I was looking at his face. He's an asshole. He's a asshole, exactly. I am too. I'm proud of it. Proud, proud asshole. <laughs> <laughs> he, his just demeanor just screams, like, upper crest bougie fuck. And we're like, dude, you've never uh, worked construction in your life. Don't pretend like you have. Get the fuck out of here. Damien, every day is the best part of his day is when he looks and he's not sure if Matt Damon's going to come out. That's the best part of his day. Uh, fucking Poughkeepsie. <laughs> Peabody. Peabody. Uh, let me let me put a fucking... Let me put a uh, town in here, town in Massachusetts, and see if you can um, pronounce this town. Um, uh, okay. Let me see here. I'm going to put this name in here. 
So that's how you spell it. Hold on, let me make sure I'm spelling it right, because I might be I might be spelling it phonetically. Um, uh, where is this? Nope, did not spell it right. Hold on, <laughs> you'll never get this. Maybe you maybe you will. Well, it's not if you spell it wrong. You might get it just because it's famously a a town that is like that's not how you Worcester? say that. It is. What'd you say? Worcester. That town is is pronounced Worcester. Oh, so it's not like the sauce. <laughs> All right, here, tell me if you can read this one. This is yes. a California town, but I'm pretty okay. sure there's one on the East Coast, too. Yes. Peabody? Peabody? Yeah. Well, that's Huntington. Isn't that just Huntington? Huntington? Okay, yeah. People pronounce the T, and it drives me crazy. Huntington. Hunt Huntington? People call it Huntington, and I'm like, oh. no, it's Huntington. People Huntington. pronounce that T, and I'm like... Yeah, no. Like I remember, they were they went to the College World Series or like the Little League World Series years back, and ESPN was like, "Huntington wins again." <laughs> this has been an accent corner with Derek and Damian. <laughs> let me wait. Let me um, put some more in here because there's some crazy ones. Let me let me link you to this site here. Actually, let me do this first. Let me put this in here. I'll put the the spelling okay. of the town, and then you tell me how you think it's pronounced. Leicester. Leicester. That is Lester. That was close. Like Uncle. Or no, that's Uncle Fester. Never mind. Yes. This is a famous one. You might get it. Gloucester? Where is it? Gloucester? Gloucester. Gloucester. Ah. Okay. Yup. Uh. <laughs> Let's see. Let's do this one. This is fun. Haverhill? Haverhill? Haverhill. Haverhill. Okay. Yup. <laughs> what is that? I don't think I even know this one. What is this? Let me see. Hold on. I have no idea. I'm not even going to attempt that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me put the pronunciation in here. Uh, this is funny. Kochichichu. Kochichuit. 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 Yeah. All right. Let me, here. Let me try. Let me, yes. let me give you one here. Yes. This is this is great audio. Close yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. These people are going to be loving this. Yeah. Let's see how white you are. Uh, San Juan. Capistrano. Hey, you got it. There you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right, <laughs> I know cool. some of that stuff. Yeah, you're better than some of the people that live here. Then. Yeah. What do people San say? Juan Cap San Juan Capistrano. <laughs> Capistrano. <laughs> what is that? Why is Why is there a New York person living in California? No, yeah, it's just white people, man. They're the worst. <laughs> uh, so the second movie I saw yesterday I did a double feature. Was was trying to do a triple feature, but couldn't quite manage it. Um, I saw Renfield, the new uh, Chris McKay movie. Nicholas Holt, uh, Nicholas Cage, and uh, Aquafina and Ben Schwartz uh, round out this cast. Um, this is an interesting movie. Um, a lot of the reviews I saw for this, early reviews I saw for this, um, line up with my uh, assessment of it, which is Aquafina didn't need to be in this movie. They didn't need to have her, um, her sort of B plot. Her B plot in this movie drags the entire thing down. Um, her B plot is basically like her, she plays a cop and her father was killed by other corrupt cops. And so she's now trying to, you know, work her way up the force. And there's way too much like her and her sister and her sort of plot line in this movie. Every time, every time it cuts away from the good stuff, the from the Nicholas Hall and Nicholas Cage doing their just great chemistry, doing their great, you know, storyline and their sort of, um, you know, back and forth um, in this movie. They're great. I love Bud Schwartz. Obviously, he's incredible. Um, <laughs> let me just tell you, he has one of the best deaths I've seen in a very long time. Um, he gets kicked in. For me, I, I don't want to know. 
this. I'm going to watch on, the movie. Come on. Don't man. fucking tell me. It's I'm going to take death, my headphones off. Just it's a ridiculous people. death and a ridiculous three star movie. It's it, Okay, go ahead. I'll, t- I'll just tell the audience. Um, so he gets kicked in the stomach and his guts and his poo poo come out. His guts come out of his, his throat and his poo poo comes out his butt. So there's that. I'm, I'm done. So, so all right all watch, right watch, done with the spoilers i'm done for the three second stunt spoiler that's yeah oh my true. god oh i do want to say real quickly great great movie going experience had a great packed house everybody laughed at this i think it definitely pushed this from a three-star movie to a three and a half star movie for me um very very funny nicholas Holt's very funny he was talking in interviews about working in this movie with ben schwartz and aquafina who were both people that uh you know do a lot of ad-libbing in their scenes you can definitely tell uh, when they do that, and it's very funny. Um, I do want to say though, what is your, uh, what's your, you know, uh, thoughts on Aquafina as a person, as an actress? When she, comes I, don't know, I think she's funny. I think she's good. Mm, I, I like her in funny. Shang-Chi. Okay. Yeah. All right. I want to see that one show where she's like a stoner who lives at home or something like that. That seems pretty funny. Aquafina from Brooklyn. What's it called? Aquafina from Queens. Nora from Queens. Nora from Queens. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I, I find her grading they find her whole thing grading i think she Uh. tries too hard to be funny i think people rightly sort of are squeamish about her accent or whatever she's doing with her sort of blackish flourishes that the thing that she does it's like that's not great um Eh, codes it's code switching doesn't work for me you don't code switch as an asian person in a movie (laughs) you can code switch in real life if you're around other people that are actually that skin tone you can you can do that but not not in a movie that doesn't make any sense i mean i don't know i'm i'm i don't want to get too but you know like where she was raised you know like i'm not gonna like i don't know too much about it but you know if if she you know whatever sure i I don't know that's fine that's fine. Okay. Um, there's a woman in here um, with this name. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this into the chat because I don't want to butcher that at all. Um, I don't know if you've seen this actress, but she, she was very good in The Expanse um, show. Did you, did you like fall over on your keyboard? What is that? <laughs> Come on. That's rude. Is that another one of those towns that you want me to pronounce? Exactly. You, exactly. Um, this is this person. She was in, okay. I don't know if you've seen The Expanse. Um, I'm not sure what else she's been in. She's a very distinctive mm-hmm. voice. Um more distinctive than Aquafina's? It is very. It's more, yes, more more distinctive and more oh. organic and more authentic and less racist. Um, so she's <laughs> in this. <laughs> uh, what else are we going to say about this? Yeah, very funny. Very funny um, um, physical comedy. I think Ben Schwartz is a very funny person, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of laugh out loud moments, but um, too much Aquafina and too much of her story in this, unfortunately. But yeah, still highly recommend checking this out if you want a good, good funny um you know, April movie. Yeah. Okay. Sounds okay. good. Sounds, Sounds pretty cool. Good. Yes. Huh? <laughs> Let's get to what you've been watching. You watched the other movie that I, that I wanted to watch in the movie that we already, we already teased. I believe we talked a little about it. The Super Mario brothers movie. What would you give that? Like a, like a two basically. I would give that a two. Yeah. That movie. Right. It's, it's yeah. It was it. a two. You know, there's some things in it that I, I, I did enjoy. And by Things I mean, Jack Black, Black's performance and Anya Taylor Joy's performance, but I didn't even like Charlie Day in this. Like it was, oh wow, it was like they were. It was just a lot of nothing. It was like, what is the point of having? I mean, I get the point is to have like people that can be on your late night circuits and promote the movie, but yeah. I don't know. Like I, it was it was just so bland and nothing. You know, it was it was absolutely devoid of anything that. 
was interesting other than like, hey, cool, his ringtone is the GameCube sound. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll check it out myself. Um, but uh, what do you think of Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves? So this Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves is the complete opposite of the Super Mario Bros. movie. This movie feels like it has all of those flourishes and all of those things that make it a recognizable adaptation of this very famous property that does not have a clear storyline or a coherent thing. It's because it's, a, you know, a video game or a tabletop thing where you can kind of do different things and play different kinds of ways. Um, but they are still from a very distinct world with a lot of, you know, lore and a lot of things that happen in the games that are recognizable. And this did all of that in a way that completely worked. Because if you take, if you take, just watch the Super Mario Bros. movie with no context, it's nothing. But if yeah. you watch the D&D movie without any context, it's a fun action adventure movie that is reminiscent of those kind of movies from like the 90s, like The Mummy or Pirates of the Caribbean or something like that. But with all of those flourishes, as someone who does play D&D, I was like, wow, this is perfect because the plot in this feels like something that would happen in a D&D story. Like the one of the very first scenes, it's like, oh, there's these characters and they have to get out of a situation. And it's a very simple way for them to get out of this situation. They're about to do it, but they have to make everything so much more complex and throw all wrench in the works. And that works if you know D&D because you're like, this is exactly what a player, these play, players would do. They would just overcomplicate everything. But if you don't play D&D, you're like, this is a funny scene. Um, and so it, it really worked on both of those levels. There's it's it was my, my of 2023. We're only a quarter of the way through the year, but it's been my yeah. favorite 2023 film so far. I absolutely loved this movie. It was four and a half out of five stars for me. Would recommend to anyone. Oh, very nice. Very cool. Um, was there like, do they use actual like spells from the game and moves and, and things like that? Yeah, they did. And some of them they call out, some of them it's just like, you know, like you can see it and you're like, oh, that's probably what that was, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's what this is. You know, there's, there's a whole great scene, excuse me, where they do this very iconic spell called Raise Dead from the games and they do it in you've probably seen the trailer in a yeah. very comical way um and a way that really was hilarious and it felt like it could have been something from the game uh but then there's also you know like little callbacks and little things to other things and you know know what every character is like clearly like chris pine is a bard michelle rodriguez is a barbarian there's you know um sophia lillis is a is a druid there's and but other than the sorcerer, I don't think they ever call anyone their class, but they clearly all are these different kinds of characters that you would play in the game, but they don't like call attention to it, but you notice it at the same time. Uh, so I, I really, I really dug all that. Nice. Very cool. Um, let me ask you. Um, so they don't, they don't name the classes by name in the movie. No, I don't think like everyone's, anyone's like, well, well, Chris Pine, you're a bard. I do think that they say that, um, that uh the character justice uh smith they're like oh they call it they say he's a wizard um oh. with like sorcerer blood or something like that yep. um but um yeah to the, for the most part they don't like call attention to like oh michelle Re rodriguez you are a level 13 barbarian or whatever you know yeah um let me ask you something about D D. um so mm -hmm. there's multiple different groups and um 
business, not businesses, but like, you know, I met Mercer and the whole uh, D20 mm-hmm. thing. That's huge. Um, they do, you know, they have their own characters and they stay in their characters for the D&D session. When you play in D&D, are you playing a character or are you just like yourself and you're going to do yourself? <laughs> like you're going to throw the, the die and you're going to be like, okay, I say this as a character. How do you, how do you play your D&D as a character or just yourself? Yeah, I mean, I'm. I mean, if I'm the DM, I'm and I'm running things. I'm, you know, the DM yeah. running everything. But like, if yeah, I'm a character, then I'm, you know, doing my character to the point where, uh, yeah, I there's me in one of the campaigns. My ki- my main campaign that I'm in. Um, my character is named Lysander, and I will say like, you know, I, I will I will kind of go back and forth between Lysander does this and I do this. But yeah. it's very clear when I'm talking out of character, when I'm talking in character, th- where you know like. I'll make jokes and I'll say them in my normal voice, but I'll do like, I'll put on like an, like, you know, an, a certain an affect to my voice when I'm Lysander. I'll, I'll be a little bit more like this or something, you know? Uh, so, you know, I, it is, yeah, it is. I'm not me. I'm Lysander. You know, I'm definitely playing a character. Yeah. 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 Um, so like, let's say you're just like at a shop, right. And you're, you're in the mm-hmm. campaign, you're in a shop. Does the thing, like the things you do, does that affect the result of the transaction? Like if you're going up to a uh, uh, merchant and you're like, can I get a discount? You roll for the, you roll for the success of that interaction, of that interaction, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it depends on how your DM wants to run it because every DM will do things differently. Some DMs are very, very by the book and you know, they're just like, Oh, well, whatever's written in the story we have to do. Uh, I don't really love that style. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like if my players came to me and they're like, oh, hey, uh, you know, I don't DM anymore. But when I did, it would be like, oh, we're at this guy and they, they want to haggle. I'd be like, OK, you want to haggle? Sure. Go ahead and roll a persuasion check. Or if you're trying to be intimidate him, roll an uh, intimidation check. Or you're trying to lie to him, roll a deception check. You know, you can. That's the good thing about it. It's not like a video game where you only have a set amount of options. You can yeah. literally do whatever you want and change the story any way you want. And things will turn out differently. You just It's based on just how creative you can be as a player. Yeah, because that's what I was wondering of like, you know, you go up to the merchant and you're like, hey, um, I would please like a discount. And that's, you know, that's charisma or that's, you know, that's a different skill set. Right. So how do you sort of uh, uh, navigate that when you go up to a merchant and you're like, do, when you start out, does your character have like, um, you know, intimidation uh, levels and your uh, charisma level is a certain point and you know, stuff like that. So when you go up to the merchant is your, let's say your charisma is higher than your intimidation, then you would just use, you know, can I please have a discount <laughs> as opposed to, I'm going to cut your head off. If you don't give me a discount, you would only ever say, you know, please, or would you, as a character, if your intimidation is low, you wouldn't, you just wouldn't try to intimidate the guy. Is that how that works? I mean, yeah, you probably want to lead into what skills you have, but every situation is going to be different. If yeah. you looks like this guy is not, going to be persuaded then you might try a different tactic you know i also would uh you know because you yeah you start out with different levels that you, everyone has the same amount of skills they can pull from but they're going to be better or worse at certain skills depending on what they took when they started and you know if they've taken anything they've leveled up and stuff like that but um it also depends like if you if you just go, you're like if you're like i walk up to the guy and i say please give me a discount then i'm gonna like okay cool roll Roll your uh, perception, and I'm gonna be like, it's gonna you're gonna have to roll really well to do this. Um, but if you come up and you're like, 
I walk up to the gentleman and I say, Hello there, sir. You're looking very well, and, and I would like to purchase some of your wares. And I was wondering, perhaps, if you, like, do a good job of, like, role-playing it out and, like, making things... I'll be like, all right, you know, this is going to be an easier check instead of having to roll. And you'll so basically you'll roll your d20, you'll add your score. And so instead of, like, being like, okay, you have to beat a 20, I might be like, you have to beat a 10 because you gotcha. played it really well. This is going to be an easier check. That's what I was wondering, if you put mm-hmm. more, you know... <laughs> you put more uh, stuff on the if you put more you know, effort into saying the thing then will the DM be like okay yeah you did, you said a cool yeah. thing I like the way you said that so I'm gonna yeah, yeah. help you out there typically you know not every DM is gonna be different you know yeah. some DMs might be like playing a pre-written adventure and it says they have to have this kind of check to get by the thing um, but you know typically that's not the case typically DMs are pretty lenient and let you players be pretty creative yeah. Uh, one last question I had about D and D. The I, I go to work. I work with a guy who plays D and D well as well, and he was saying how recently the updates, the the most recent D and D version, um, is moving towards a more like level fielded um, sort of. Everyone has similar attributes, like you were saying, um, so everybody can kind of do almost anything you know like a bard can do a lot of things that like uh you know they they basically have a more of a like an even playing field when it comes to the stats um so you can do a lot of like same stuff as the other classes can do and i was playing like mmos for a long time and i I liked the fact that you know you are a white mage or a black mage the black mage does damage and the white mage heals it's like you have separate classes for separate reasons you know have people that min max those stats to be the best healer they can be or they can min max stats to be the best damage dealer they can be um do you like the system where you know a rogue can cast spells or do you prefer those those classes to be more compartmentalized yeah, I like it when the classes are more compartmentalized because, yeah, every, you if you want to play a certain class, you pick that class. Yeah. Um, what you're describing sounds a lot like 4th edition, which is, okay. you know, not really used anymore. Yeah. Um, where they kind of, everyone was just like a wizard, pretty much. Like, everyone got, like, once you got the higher levels, got all these, essentially, spells you could do. Like, fighters were still fighters, and they would just say, oh, you do this thing, but it would still just be... F-. So, you know, like, I was in my campaign a fighter for a while and then i was like you know what i got to like level seven in fighter and i was like i think i want to take some class some levels in bard you can do that you can multi-class so i you know instead of getting to level eight bard i was level seven or letting level eight fighter i was level seven bard with a level one or level i keep doing that level seven fighter with a level one bard and yeah. i so i took a little bit you know so you can do this stuff like that too where you can dip into other things and get some experience over here but it you, that means you're not getting further experience in your main thing. So, because um, I was, I wanted to do some cool magic shit. I was tired of just hitting stuff. Fighter does get a little bit boring after a while, but right, right. You know, uh, everybody has their own tastes, and that's what's cool. Everyone has their own, like you're saying, like MMORPGs. You need, you need like your cleric to be a healer, or or you need, you know, your barbarian to go in and take a lot of damage, or your ranger to sit back and snipe, whatever it might be. Yes. Yeah, they had they had like a red mage in Final Fantasy fourteen or in eleven and fourteen. Um, red mage was basically like that jack of all trades. They could do a hand to hand. They could do dark spells. They could do light spells. They could um, do buffing. All you know, uh, uh, AOE buffing, so they could give everyone like Felnix, which was you know protect all basically. So they had mm-hmm. you know a class like that in um, the MMO, but for the most part, it was you know it was paladins. It was dark knights. Paladins, you know, do the paladin thing. <laughs> dark knights are more mm-hmm. dark magic based. They have They're like, like Batman. 
They're like Batman, exactly. <laughs> they run away. They they pretend that they right. killed Harvey Dent and they run away. Um, so, they the yeah, Dark Knight, uh, Paladin, uh, Red Mage was fun. I did Black Mage for a while. That was like little. That was very you know a uh, what do you call it glass cannon. You know they do a lot of damage, but they're mm, they're very right. squishy characters. <laughs> um, what else was there? Yeah, just uh, crowd control people. Bards were always good. They had bards in Final Fantasy thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, could could you do? Uh, I know I said the last question, but do they have like uh, uh, you said? You know, you could go in and be a um, archer. Can you do like side quests or si- or like um, crafting? Could you have craft skills where you can like do woodworking and leather crafting and things like that? Yeah, there's certain skills you can take. Um, there's there's ways you can get them um, when you level up instead of like leveling up your uh, your attributes you can like take feats and sometimes they will let you do things a lot of times you'll start based on your background with um like skills and different things um so yeah it's and it's it's not necessarily it's not like a side quest thing like a video game um it's more of like when you level up you get stuff but a dm might even be like yeah oh yeah you you spent a lot of time doing this so now you know you know when you're you're like downtime you you like oh i want to work on this or whatever um so you now learn woodworking like when i was taking my classes in bard i had to my dm was like okay uh you gotta like take some time and practice with the bard in the group and learn to play the flute and and you gotta whittle your own flute and it was gonna whittle your own this flute. is That's amazing yeah it was this might mean nothing to anyone but when i was whittling my flute he had me do two checks one was to see how it looked and I did horrible, and one was to see how it played, and I got a natural twenty. So it like looks real fucking janky, but it plays amazing. I just imagine <laughs> it like like Adventure Time Finn's like janky flute, but he plays it beautifully. Like same same vibe. That's amazing. Love to try that sometime. Um, so next up on the list, you got Last of Us. How many how many episodes have you seen of this so far? Oh, I binged it. I got nice. through the whole thing. Very nice. What'd you yeah. think? I thought this was incredible. This was. One of the best shows I've seen in a very long time. Uh, I just love how morally complex it all was, and I thought, like, it, I loved how like they would just go and do the, to these different places and meet these people, and every episode would be they would be looking forward, but they would just be like, okay, what's going on in this town that is terrible, and just every episode would just end with such a gut punch. You're like, oh my god! Like episode three was great. Episode five, where like the ending of that just got me, and then the end of the whole show. I went back and I, because, you know, I was obviously muted when you and Dion were talking about yeah. it. I, I listened to your discussion with Dion and I, I thought that was really interesting. So, yeah, I, I really dug all of this show. Yeah, it was it was incredible watching it week to week, um, hearing it break down mm-hmm. each episode. Um, I haven't played the game, so I'm not sure how that compares to the game. But, yeah, just the, um, you know, I would say, honestly, it, it, it needed to... Um, either more episodes overall or more episodes focusing on Joel and um, Ellie. I think the I think the episodes where they went um, to the other characters, like episode three is one of the best episodes of that season. I really enjoy that. I, I don't want them to take those, that stuff out, but I also would like them to sort of supplement uh, the Joel and Ellie relationship. I felt like they did a lot of great world building and a lot of great um, character building of other people, of uh, Melanie Griffiths. Uh, character, um, she was really great in this. All of all of the other side characters and all of the other side stories were really great, and I really think they um, added to the world and made it more robust. But I feel like they needed to add maybe one or two more episodes of Joel and Ellie 
together near the end. I feel I, like they, I, I disagree. I think yeah. it was the perfect length, and maybe it's because I binged it and just yeah. like watched them together. Like you had those these big gaps watching it week to week, but like binging it as I did, like I got to just like watch them just kind of go along on this long journey, and then they would have like a break, and it's like okay, it's like four months later, and then you'd have there. It just felt like very well doled out. It's like okay, now they they're fighting at the beginning, but then you have the whole test thing and now then he's kind of like begrudgingly going along with her now he's starting to become protective and like the teachers are this and then they go through all these horrible things and i it, i really i really dug that and i also just wanted to say after listening to your kind of debate with the not debate um because you basically just told him how it is and he was like yeah okay i think that um <laughs> but I, I i i think that you were right in what you were saying about that it probably wouldn't I, I, spoilers Yes. Um, everyone. Yes. Uh, but how it was right about how it probably would not have made a difference. What happened with Ellie? Like they probably would not have been able to retroactively make a cure. But right. I don't think that excuses anything, Joel. I think that that Joel, it, like uh, Dion was kind of saying, it's completely inconsequential to Joel. It does not matter that she was a that she was like able to cure the people and both. And there's even that moment where it's like, well, you know that what would her choice be? And you're not giving her neither of those characters were giving her a choice. Right. Uh, and so, and I think that probably her choice would have been to try and save the world, at least try. Yeah. Um, but she didn't want to do that. And I think the, the honestly, the more damning thing for Joel was not going in, shooting a bunch of people and killing the doctor and whatever. But the more damning thing was him lying to her. Sure. After she's like, tell me the truth. Um, cause I, I think, yeah, he absolutely doesn't care. And it's, it's something I was thinking about, you know, and, you know, neither of us obviously have kids, but like Dion was saying, like, he's like, he has a daughter and like, he would said it was, I think he alluded to saying like, he would do the same thing, you know, like I was like thinking what, what my dad would probably do that. I just had this funny image of Mike, my dad who like walks <laughs> with a limb, just running in like, you know, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. you know, I think that's, you know, that's speaking about this unconditional love that, that, that he has for her. And, um, it's just really fascinating because it's like, yeah, that is a good thing, but also, you know, it's so morally complex, and I don't think there is a real right answer to what he should have done because if he hadn't done that, that would, like you were saying, it, it probably wouldn't have made a difference, but that's not why he was doing it. So right. I thought all of that was very, very fascinating, and I just thought every episode, it got more and more complex, and to end on that, I was like, oh my, it was such a gut punch. Yeah, yeah. One of the best shows um, this year, one of the best HBO shows in a long time. Um, yeah, it's gonna be very interesting going forward. Um, I know I haven't played either game, but I did some. You know, I've seen a lot of the videos. I've seen a lot of the story about what's coming up in the next uh, part of the game or part of the you know, story. Um, and when that game came out, I think the second part, the second game came out in 2020. And when they came out, it was very decisive, divisive. Um, I remember a lot of people being, yeah, like some people being like, this is the worst. And some people yeah. being like, I love this. I didn't hear any details. Right. So no spoilers, please. No. But I remember yeah, people being very, very divided on where they fell on the, the way that they left things. Yeah, and I'll be interested to see um, how that hits um, general, more general audiences. Um, if you're interested to see how they if they do change anything what they change because they did change some stuff from the game um in the show yeah. uh very interested to see how they present it um yeah all that stuff can't wait can't wait for the more of that yep 
Yeah, yeah. Um, the last thing you have on here is jury duty. This is uh, it's an ad I see pop up on TikTok a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is James Marsden in a like Joe Schmo show. Do you know what the Joe Schmo show was? I fucking love the Joe Schmo show. <laughs> like that was one of the reasons I was on board with this. Right. Um, that was I, I absolutely loved it like season one of that it was so brilliant and funny and just kind of just taking down reality tv yeah for anybody that doesn't know what the joe schmo show was uh it was a very early reality show like in the early 2000s right it was like yeah 2004 three or something like that somewhere around there it was basically one guy um was a real person didn't know what the story was or what anything else was going on and the rest of the crew and the rest of the cast was in on it and it was like a reality show where it, you know, it had like a loose storyline and they had to play around, uh, make Joe think he was on a real, quote unquote, real reality mm-hmm. show. So this is basically what that is, right? What Jerry Dewey is. Yeah, except like in Joe Schmo, like, you know, when the people would have a sides, they would like be like, OK, like they would break character. They would be like, yeah, he liked it. They would talk about Joe like he did this. We're curious to see what he does here. This is just like an improv comedy office style show. Like it's made by one of the showrunners of The Office. But just one person doesn't realize that it's that. So it's even more just like there's even like, you know, there's like a sides where like people are talking to the camera and he's not there. They're just like doing this whole improv thing. And it just has this extra wrench of also being a Joe Schmo thing at the same time. And the guy is so hilarious. He's so funny. Like just they got the perfect guy, like the perfect guy to do. Then James Martin. Like that's one thing that always gets me is when celebrities play just like obnoxious, ridiculous versions of themselves. Like I love "Don't Trust the Bean Apartment 23," where like Kristen um, James Vanderbeek is basically doing the same thing. Uh, so like, and, and James Martin's so good. Where he's just he's just like like keeps talking about like shows and movies that he's like alluding that he's gonna be like in a Quentin Tarantino movie. And so it's so funny. That's awesome. I guess it's on, it's on Freevee, right? Freevee TV. It's on Freevee, so literally anyone can watch it. It's yeah. it used to be IMDb TV. It's owned by Amazon, so it's like Amazon's free app yeah. that you can just like watch it on. So amazing. Check it out. Like it's it's All so right. good. Very cool. All right. So before we get to letterbox assignments and before we get to plugs, I'll take a quick break. Uh, so we go to the bathroom and uh, we will be right back. And we're back. Letterbox assignments this week. Damien had the help. I did not watch it, unfortunately. Didn't have time. Couldn't, couldn't fit that in my, my busy, busy schedule. Busy beaver over here. Uh, Derek, you got Loving. This is uh, Jeff Nichols, one of my favorite directors, one of my favorite directors from the 2010s. Uh, what do you think of Loving? Uh, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, it, of course, for anybody who's not familiar, is about the um, case of uh, Loving v. Virginia, which uh, was the case that uh, ruled that um, uh, interracial marriage would be legal in the entire country and that blocks on that were uh, illegal. And this happened in 1967. Um, so way to go, USA. Keep being fucking racist until goddamn the late 60s. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's really a very interesting emotional story. It's it's interesting because you realize I, you watch and you think, oh, like these are going to be these, you know, huge like Rosa Park, Jackie Robinson esque figures. But they're just kind of like a normal people. They're just like people that fell in love that happened to be of different races and lived in a state where that was illegal. And they just wanted to be in love and not be these huge public figures. And there's even some a little bit of. I wouldn't call it strife, but a little bit of just, you know, Joel Edgerton, who plays um, who plays Richard Loving, uh, he just kind of all he cares about is, is being with his wife and 
uh, he doesn't really seem to care about the movement in general. Like, and then who uh, Ruth Nega, who plays uh, Mildred, uh, is more kind of like, well, we can help other people out, but they're both very quiet, internal people. Both are very, um, uh, both uh, very um, uh, introverted, uh, and it's it's really good. They both give these very reserved performances. Uh, Ruth got nominated for an Academy Award for this. Um, you, when you think of great performances, a lot of times you're thinking of very big, bombastic ones. But these are very small, poignant performances. There's there's a moment when she's on the phone and she she basically finds out that they're the ACL ACLU is going to take their case and they're going to do a pro bono. And she just has the subtlest little like movements in her face, but it's so emotionally affecting and poignant and powerful. Um, so I would I would really recommend this movie to anyone. It's it's you know it was made in 2016, so it was poignant then. It's poignant again now um, about how people are still fighting for marriage equality. Um, people are still fighting for being able to marry who they want to. People of uh, in same sex marriages that is that you know that is theoretically in danger with the Supreme Court that we have now. Um, so it's it's yeah. Uh, Really, really great film, I thought. Yeah, very cool. Um, yeah, it's just ridiculous, the things that are going on right now. Even, you know, 40, was it 40 years, 50 years after this, the events of this movie? Um, 50, yeah, 50 years, yeah. Clarence Thomas, the the black Supreme Court justice, his wife is white, and he, he would probably mm-hmm. vote to, against that. He would vote to <laughs> not be allowed yeah, to be married he, to his own wife. He, like, yeah, he, after they repealed, got rid of Roe v. Wade, he named off a bunch of other cases that he wanted to repeal, and one of them was the gay marriage one, and it's like, people like, yeah, he only didn't mention loving is because he's in an interracial marriage. Yes, exactly. Um, I think last time you mentioned um, the actor in one of the new Ted Lasso episodes, Um, I mentioned he was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Ruth Nega is in um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I was like. Yeah, because I, I remember watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. about when this was happening. I was like, oh, yeah, she's like, I was like, wait a minute. Is that Ruben? And she's like, yeah, she's really good in it, too. So yeah, yeah. I remember like that happening and being like, this is weird. Yeah, she's a fantastic actress. I loved her in uh, Passing from 2021 um, as well. So, that's, yeah. that's still on my list. We'll see if it comes up today on the roulette. Let's, let's see what we get. Yeah, speaking of the roulette, let's me go to my watch list. Let me sort by... Uh, services. Where is that? Service. Oh, it's already there. Okay. My services. Sort by my services. Go to shuffle. Let's see what we get. Oh, oh boy. Um, let's see. So a little bit of problem because Monty Python and the Holy Grail popped up first, but I've seen, I know you've seen that. I'm not sure why that's on there. So I'm going to, there's some other, you gotta just got to watch the help. I got to, I'll watch the help. Okay. I'll do that. Yes. I'll do that. <laughs> Cause there's a bunch of shit on here. That's like, there's, an, there's a Pakistani movie on here. There's We Met in Virtual Reality. Have you heard of this one? We Met in Virtual Reality. No, was, why, why are you getting these movies? It was a documentary them on your in 2022. Uh, it was filmed entirely inside the world of virtual reality. Um, a documentary about people that met uh, on VR chat and got married in, in the game. So that, that was okay. something that seemed interesting to me at that time. <laughs> well, I mean, I lived with a guy. I lived my old roommate that he met somebody on Final Fantasy Online. So I don't need to watch a documentary. I watched it happen. <laughs> All right. So I'll, I'll, I'll uh, 
put the help again. That'll be my that'll be my assignment. Uh, how about you? Go to your shuffle list and shuffle in the middle. All know. right. I just said shuffle. You know what? Here we go. This is perfect because it's the one that I got that I didn't. Uh, I got a couple weeks ago that I I missed watching, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's an education. So uh, an education. I will make sure to yes watch it this time because it was not available last time. I got this like a month or two ago, but it's yeah. on. Stay with me. Our favorite free app. Freebie. Freebie. Nice. Yes, there we go. <laughs> so I guess I'm watching an education starring yes. Carrie Mulligan and Peter Skarsgård. Yes, I like both those people. All right, let's do some plugs before we get out of here. Uh, Medium blog is there if you want it. <laughs> Got to get back into that again. Uh, letterbox B for Benedetta. B for Benedetta. B underscore four underscore Benedetta. Four away from 100 followers. So get me to 100, please. Just friend me there and I'll <laughs> friend you. I'll, I'll, I'll follow you back as we do. Um, film SAS on YouTube. Anchor.com. It's now Spotify for podcasters. Go there to make a free podcast. And I'll check out all the interviews. Um, I talked about uh, Day Tripper on this episode. I uh, was on the episode of iFanboy, did an episode of theirs early on in the pandemic, and nice. we talked about Day Tripper there. Yep. And I had them on my podcast last year. So check out that interview. I go over where they came from. They were one of the people that started a podcast back in, like, I want to say 2006 or seven, whenever the first ones got going. So they've been doing it for a long time. They're one of the originators. They are seasoned veterans. They are uh, elder statesmen of of, the, of this thing we're doing here. <laughs> One of the reasons I did this was because of them. So check out their stuff over there. Derek, what you got to plug? Nice. Right, so, uh, my plug is, as always, the underrated podcast, the other podcast that I do. Uh, it is released every other Monday. So same day that this comes out. Underrated also comes out. Um, this week, we are talking about the game. Uh, the 1997 uh David Fincher film, speaking of Fincher, starring Michael Douglas, uh, we had on a couple really cool guests um, from the podcast uh, Films and Stuff. Um, so Pete and Ethan came on and talked about that with us. So check that out wherever you listen to podcasts. Look up Underrated or look up Undercast Company, and we're on all the socials and all the podcast apps there. I fucking love the game. I saw it <laughs> recently, uh, in the last three years. Um mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, no spoilers here, but Jesus Christ, that movie, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, just just real quick, just real quick. That yes, last yeah. scene had to, everything had to come together perfectly. He had to fall in a perfect way. That that thing had to catch him. Uh, um, just what the fuck? What the fuck? That was actually a little bit of an issue yeah. for me. <laughs> that yeah. I was like, how did everything come together so yeah. perfectly? Oof. Anyways, yeah, definitely check that out. I'll be, I'll be listening to that to see what you guys thought of that. That's just excellent, insane excellent. movie. So for Can I Say Something, I've been Damien. And I've been Derek. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.